Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Hardcore Heroes end of game wrap up Q&A thingy. I think we did one of these a year or so ago, but um, turns out it wasn't the end. So here we are again. It's more than a year ago, I think. Yeah, I think it's mm -hmm. been a few years since we first wrapped up the show. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it just continued going. And now we're two, fewer, two pe people fewer. So uh, I guess before we start, how's everyone doing? Uh, pretty good. Lost track of time yesterday. Played games until about four in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I what were you playing, Sean? Uh, I played a lot, actually. I got a game called Visco Elysium. And I played that for most of the daylight yesterday. Mm. Um, and then I played some golf with your friends for a friend's birthday. And then I played some Mordhau. Uh, and that game's fun if you just kind of turn off the in-game chat. That's that's my strategy. Mm. Let's not talk about Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm <laughs> nice and vague. <laughs> what about you, Nick? How's it been? Um, yeah, you know, getting along. I can't remember what I did yesterday. Um, it was just yesterday. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to catch up on Odom. That's what I'm doing. I'm playing here. Ah. So. Yeah. Uh, you're the only one, right? It's just you and nine bots. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's been getting games like the queue times like less than ten seconds. Right, but it's just the same ten people over and over again, right? It's not. No. Really? Yeah. Because I've been playing Dota, and I hate every moment of my existence. So if Hots, Hots is not dead, then maybe I'll, I'll pop back in for a minute. Hots is not dead. Oh, Hots has never been dead in, like, casual queue. They just they just killed the, the pro scene. Yeah, that's right. But there's still some pro games going on. Also, nobody likes that game. That's the other I problem like with it. it. I like it. It's better than Dota. It's not better than Dota. It's less yeah, it's painful fine. than Dota. It makes yeah, you, but the pain is how you less. know it's working. <laughs> that's the pain of self-improvement said it once and i've said it twice and i'll say it a third time you know if you like dota because it's mechanically difficult if that's your reasoning then just go and play starcraft if you're trying to have but fun. it's a different experience than starcraft yeah it is it's just like a watered down version of it uh, more toxicity. I, I would agree with you if you we were talking Brood War, but not StarCraft 2. No, don't give me that shite. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think I've linked you guys both the list of questions, and uh, it's long. Yeah. I doubt we'll, well get you're... to everything in here, so why don't we... You're the moderator here now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's start with the main question, apparently. The question on everybody's mind. Is Hardcore Heroes over forever? Will the Adventures yeah. of Van continue under a show name, a different show name? Yeah, there's like three that are basically this question. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Neil and I haven't really talked about it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see more stuff with Van, but it would probably be a different thing than what's gone on in hardcore heroes up to this point i don't think he would go back to like just kind of wandering around solo clericing it but he'd probably get involved in some things and have some follow-up adventures i think it sort of depends on how the rest of the world 
moves on. Mm-hmm. Van might get absorbed in his own stuff, or he might be critical in some other thing that pops up. But uh, we've got to see how the rest of the world moves. Oh, could yeah. be fucking anything, dude. Can uh, could Van restore William's legs? Is that a thing? <laughs> yes, actually. There you go. Let's see. So Van restores William's legs, well, and in, in return, I'll help you kill Scoria. Well, hold on. It depends. Are are your legs like just stone stonified? Yeah, they're just. Been oh, then probably not right now. But if you give me four levels, I can uh, <laughs> I can cut your legs off and then regrow them. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What nice. about uh, restoring my age? Not like, you can maybe be able to do that, right? Uh, give me two more levels. Ah, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good, is it? Yeah. Actually, wait. How do you restore age? In I know you can do it. I think it. I think it's the sixth level spell. I don't know. I don't uh, know. It's a yeah. It's a thing somewhere. Somewhere in there. Yeah. It can only do magical aging, but that's what you went through, so it should be fine. Yes been through some shit all right um wedding episode probably Mm. not yeah i don't think so we were talking about doing it and then uh i don't know like what would we do (laughs) i i think that the notion of a wedding episode is probably more fun than the reality of it because what Mm, would we do exactly what sean said what do we do like all right, describe your tuxedo. This is what the <laughs> bride is wearing. You don't have any groomsmen? Let's talk about how sad that is for a while. Okay, here's yeah. the event. There's and a I... disruption. Like, there's a drunk at the bar. Whoop-de-doo. Like... Yeah, I think a wedding would be a fun adventure to put a bunch of level one characters into. Um, but we're not really connected enough to the politics of Drekus to really care about the high-level kind of stuff you could do at a wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in theory, though, Vada is connected to the politics of Drekus. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's more as players. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. we haven't done a whole lot with the politics there. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, Van Helsing and Malachi were just like, "We are above this. We <laughs> we yeah. don't we don't care about these things anymore." Well, we never really believed in Drekus, did we? It was more of a means to an end than anything else. Yeah. I mean, I like Bontheris. I'd fight for Bontheris. You might have to soon. I think. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd help out Bontheris, but Drekus, like, yeah, that's whatever. Eh, yeah. Uh, what were everyone's out-of-character feelings during the last episode? And that might be two oh. different episodes for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, so you know it'll what? never get old. It'll never get old. I was oh. feeling pretty great, right, until like literally the last half an hour. So I, I felt like I was good. I was right at the back. Um, and then... I just sort of, when I climbed up the cliff and then the thing was going to chase me, I was like, okay, I'm just going to run. I'll be all right. And then you were like, oh, you need to cast Cloud Kill now. And you were probably right. But I, in that moment, I thought, this is, this shit's going to get me killed. And uh, yeah, it did. So I, I was pretty chill. I was kind of almost found it quite funny that everyone got nuked by the breath weapon in that turn. Um, wasn't so funny when it happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? This is, it's how Nick learned empathy. <laughs> yeah. What's you, Sean? Um, most of the last episode was me trying to think about ways that I could get Helen to either prove how legit she is or be outed as like an evil demon. 
Um, so I didn't really have a whole lot of time during the episode itself to do like the emotional side of it. I was mostly going, fuck, could I try this? Shit, what do I have in my spell list? <laughs> that was, that was, mo- it was, it was pretty like, I don't know. I felt like I was, I was looking pretty distracted for most of it. And that was because I spent most of the episode going like, how can I make this work? How can I figure this out? <laughs> so it was, it was less emotional processing and more just, uh, brain spinning very hard and, and mm. still not succeeding. Mm. Watching that last episode with uh, with Van, I'd so I'd sort of come to accept that Malachi was dead, and then in in that moment I was watching, I was like, oh shit, maybe actually there's a hope here. So I kind of was willing you to go through with it, but I think on reflection, you made the right choice. But it was very much an emotional roller coaster for me. Mm-hmm. There's a question here about uh, what would have happened if Van trusted Helen, which of course I won't have like an answer to, but yeah. I want to hear what you guys are thinking about her i don't fucking believe her (laughs) as so i love uh subversions on on like gods in uh tabletop games where it's like the gods suck let's make like our own cult where the gods are acknowledged as sucking and we do our own shit uh and then uh, even despite all that helen just rung every single alarm bell in my head i don't i don't think it would have worked out well yeah but what would have happened um what are the possible outcomes of having trusted someone like that i think malachi would have come back enthralled is a possibility Ooh. he's got a lot of knowledge and being like subjugated by somebody like helen or vicious would be that'd be, that'd be an asset mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't i don't know what else could have happened there nick i think she like- could have tried absorbing his soul and then she could have like gained his his power and experience. Yeah. Oh, that would have been nasty. So I think maybe in my head one of two things. One would have been just that it's just like a soul in a malformed skeleton, barely alive, unable to do anything, and it's just like tragic and really fucking gruesome. You become sad. Darth Vader. <laughs> well, not even, but, but with like unable to cast spells and just like a useless shambling mm. uh, mockery of life. And then the other alternative would have been, yeah, like coming back as still powerful, but as an NPC because allegiances have shifted and Neil, worst case, like fucking kills Van with Malachi or some shit like that. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been hilarious, though? It would have been quite funny. I would, it, low-key, I would have quite liked to see it. I, I quite <laughs> like the idea of big bad evil guy Malachi running around still, but uh, <laughs> it wouldn't have been. it wouldn't have been cool. But yeah. I think... In reality, there's no way it worked out well. Because you already said to me, Neil, that, oh, I've got an idea, but you won't like it. So I assume that that idea is what, you, is what would have happened. So I don't think I would have liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. Well, speaking of the potential for an undead Malachi, uh, there's a question here about what is the demon's view on undead? Which I can't tell you. There's going to be a lot of these... I have no answers yeah. for you. I saw the whole like last section of questions. I was like, we're not going to answer any of these, are we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would assume that since the demons are like obsessed with the gods and basically in love with them and the gods hate undead, then they probably hate undead as well. That's not an unreasonable uh, leap. And I appreciate you putting in some thought into that. Yeah. Yeah. I always think it's more fun to see what you guys think than I what I think. More yeah, that box. makes that makes sense. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh, I guess it would depend on how twisted that worship got. But yeah, I guess it's... I could see them uh, being pretty anti... I, I could see it going either way. I, I didn't consider Nick's point until he brought it up, though. It's, uh, it's interesting. So people say that they avoided Vicious. Did they avoid Vicious, or did Vicious just repel them? That is one of those things that no one has really dug into. That's one of them outstanding mysteries. Yeah. What happened um, when those two forces collided? Or did they even? Did they just pass each other? Did they like agree not to fight each other? Or was there were there skirmishes and battles? Mm-hmm. I think I think more likely the latter. I just can't see. Yeah. I can't, from my experience of Homeward Bound, I don't think there's any reasoning with the demons at all. So I can't yep. see Vicious coming to an agreement with them because like who even would he have made the agreement with? It's not like there's it's not like there's a commander or something that seems to be in charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean I could see them avoiding him because they're scared. Because Vicious is kind of a terrifying figure. What I do find interesting though is that they came to an impasse. Um I would have expected Vicious to do something about them because they're an existential threat to the world. And theoretically yeah. as a vampire, you're a hostile entity to the world. I guess we don't even know if he is a vampire anymore. Um, theoretically, if you're a hostile entity to the world, you still want the world to be around, right? Like, he wants to do shitty things in the world, but he still wants there to be a world, right? Yeah, I agree. So I I did find it interesting that he didn't get involved in fighting off the demon invasion. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. Because that's like an existential threat, where like, if you don't get involved, maybe the the world is gone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not convinced that Vicious is all that scary, really. Like, I... Having watched Malsifer, I think that if you could get him in a room on his own, or just with a couple of things with him, I feel like mm-hmm. he could be killed. Uh, the, the scarier thing is the fact that he's got a legion of undead with him. Well, yeah, and that he's in the middle of like a protected city. Yeah, but I think like in combat, in like a Malachi and Van versus Vicious and some high-level skeleton mages or whatever he's got, I think we could have killed him. Nick is charmed IRL. <laughs> <laughs> everyone seems scared of him but you know is I, he mean, all lot? I think there's a lot of reason to be scared like yeah if we could get him locked in a room we could van might be able to kill him at this point he's got some pretty hardcore turning powers as a level 10 cleric he's got a staff of light like yeah he might be able to kill him but that's that's not so much the concern right so much as he has very powerful magic items that let him uh, make big impacts on the world and has like an undead army that lets him make big impacts on the world. Like, yeah. And also, even if even if we do acknowledge that Van might be able to beat him in a fight, I think that's one that could go either way still. Yeah. Yeah, Van on his own pops. Um, what about the Crown of Domination, Neil? Now that that's gone, did that actually have any real use outside of like super evil shit like trying to control a kingdom or something like that via dominating a king because I mean, it's a crown of domination it's a tool it could be used for good or evil right yeah i think that was a bit of a trap i'm not sure it was particularly that useful the stone would have been better spent elsewhere okay if that's how I you think... want to sleep at night <laughs> well, i, I had think... it for a while i just couldn't think of anything good to do with it i think i think croak would have disagreed with you on that one nick yeah perhaps 
What about the uh, Staff of Light? I guess Van's still got it, so maybe you can't say. But would that have destroyed the Shadow Dragon on touch? Do you think any, you know, anything short of a Sphere of Annihilation will kill any high-level monster simply on touch? Well, it says it destroys Shadow on touch. That was the first property. I don't think it's well, literally made out of shadow, though. I think if you're a super pleb and you think, oh, this is <laughs> says destroy shadows, that has shadow in its name, then that might make sense. <laughs> but I kind of thought you were smarter than that, Nick. Yeah. I still think it might have been. So you're saying it would, it, I mean, because... It's not going to kill a shadow dragon on touch. No, it's but not it, going to... I think we could have killed it, Sean. You might be able to kill a Shadow Dragon, certainly, but it's not like the Staff of Light is just going to, like, destroy a Shadow Dragon. Okay, but be significantly useful against it outside of just the abilities listed on the... on the on the, on the the things, like abilities or whatever. I'm sure you could find <laughs> you uses. You destroy the Shadow, but you don't destroy the Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that would actually make sense. Like you could, you could block its breath weapon or something if its breath weapon, yeah. like a, a manifestation of shit. I don't know. See, there are possibilities here. There's options. There's tools, but it would definitely be something closer to that. Um, yeah, sure. <clears throat> yeah. Never ended so, up being that much use for like the stuff. In the end, well, I mean, it died pretty soon after getting it. But yeah, mm -hmm. it is pretty cool, though. It is cool. There's a lot of questions about shadow demons and shadow realms and shadow planes, and I think a lot of these yeah. are unresolved plot lines that I think there is room for them to still be playing out, so we're just going to skip them all. Um, oh, there was a question at the bottom about Vicious. What was it? Uh, is it possible that Vicious and or Cleric Lady, I think they mean Helen, have Malachi's real body and the one Van took was a fake? Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. Um, but then again, if that had been the case, they could have they could have dug up his body after it had been buried. And I don't think anyone would have caught on. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's it's definitely possible. But I think if somebody really wanted Malachi's body, they'd have Malachi's body. And why would it be fake? Like, wasn't she prepared to go through with her, you know, weird ceremony thing with you in the room and the body yeah, there? And like, if she was expecting Van to go along with her, then it would have been really weird to have a fake Malachi body. Like, yeah, in the and crypt. Van had Van had been like, okay, yeah, let's do it up until mm -hmm. that point. So like, yeah, that's that's a good point, too. It would have to be like a really weird long con. Yeah. Like maybe she was going to try and make it look like it failed so she could secretly have his body, but then like why even show up with his body? Why not just peace out? And like yeah, why not just dig up the grave later? Because yeah. she needed Sean to bring the focus to draw his soul back. Mm. I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying it seem you would have there would have to be a lot of like malicious intent and knowing that van wasn't going to work with them mm -hmm. yeah but what my point is that if she did have malicious intent she still needed van to bring the focus to go through that she couldn't have just been like do it without you mm -hmm. yeah probably although she did 
kind of not push that hard when Van initially rejected her. I don't know. It's it's an interesting thought, but I think there are other like holes with it. But it's yeah. So why didn't you Sean just ask her to walk towards you? She knew you had protection from evil cast. You could have been like, prove to me your good intentions. Oh, like, walk, man. She was you. very uh, careful. Yeah, she was. So you tried to trick her into it, but you could have just outright asked her, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't... At the time, I was like trying to do it without burning bridges. I guess I could have done that toward the end, but at that point, it didn't really cross my mind. <laughs> Yeah, like, there's I, always going to be. I invested so much of trying to like covertly figure out what's up with her that like I didn't I didn't consider just going like all right fuck it, prove you're not evil right now. <laughs> it's, like it's it's rude, so you don't want to go with that route if you can avoid <laughs> it. And I think by the time I got to uh, the end of it, I had I, I wasn't even thinking about that idea anymore. I, it was like yeah, no, it's I think it's just over. There's always going to be one more thing you could have done. No one will ever be satisfied. She was clearly avoiding walking next to you. Unless Neil was just trolling, I think that she definitely would have not been able to. Yeah. It also, I think she would have had to be like a particularly powerful character to be repelled by protection from evil. I don't know. Is it just yeah, evil by nature creatures or is it... Um, Player power- characters or NPCs usually don't um, project or are considered evil until ninth level of ability. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if it even works on like evil the alignment or if it's supposed to be like anti demon shell. I I thought it was evil the alignment. That's why I took it because it it seemed like it said that in the description. But yeah, I don't know. Mm. The one that really stood out to me was the thought broadcaster failing. That was that was the bit where I was I was mm. really like uh, yeah, that would have been useful. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. where I got really skeptical of her. All right, next question. Did Jeeves get a happy ending? Will he reta- waste all his retirement money betting on horse racing? <laughs> um, and I can answer this one, actually. Jeeves is mightily sobered by the loss of Malachi and will be a better house servant than before and will give up his drug-addled ways and his betting and live out the rest of his life serving as the butler and servant to the Van Helsing estate. And on a, you know, once in a blue moon when the (laughs) Friday the 13th and a full moon coincide, (laughs) Van Helsing might go down to the docks in Bontheris and remember his old ways and, you know, screw around a little bit but that's mostly behind him you know that's like mm-hmm. a birthday treat you know on malachi's birthday when jeeves feels a little sad <laughs> was there anything I, going on between jeeves and miss muffin no no okay they're cordial house servants you know mm-hmm. they're um oh god did you ever watch downton abbey nah Ah. Uh, I mean, I know you just live that life daily. I was going to say, so. it's too close to home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, the head butler and the head cook there, you know, they get along, but there's there's no romantic tension going on there. Mm-hmm. Is Jeeves the best NPC you've ever run, Neil? I would say yes. Maybe. Probably. He's my favorite. Pretty good. Jeeves really is really good because he's like, he's not the heroic character, but he's been involved in so many heroic things, like when he tried to stab the giant. <laughs> That was great. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And there were a couple of times where Jeeves could have died. There was one yeah, time we, you we switched out him for some random other carriage driver. Yeah. And, you know? Yeah, I remember that when we were trying to bait the goblins to capture one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm glad you guys took efforts to keep him alive because I was not trying to protect him. And I think you know by now I'm happy to kill off anything at any point in any time. <laughs> so I'm really glad that Jeeves sort of made it through it all. Mm-hmm. See, I'm trying to I'm... pinpoint. Sorry, Sean. Go ahead. Oh, what I what I learned from one of our previous chit chats is we just need to make sure all of our future carriage drivers are pregnant women, because because that's where Neil is like, <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. And that's there you go. That's plot armor right there. Yeah. I wonder when Jeeves became an integral NPC, because for a while Larry was just the carriage driver, mm -hmm. and then at some point he became more than the carriage driver. I think I'm it was sure when, when exactly he ran was. at a giant with a knife. That's yeah, a zeroth yeah. level old was, man. I think it was a little bit. It's maybe before that. I think. I think it was around the end of the first season when we went back to um, Shirebrook for the first time, and we Van gave him a lot of money. Yeah. So I remember we came back after that, and it was pretty clear he was on drugs. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think that was my favorite part of the show. Was after Croak died. <laughs> No, Once Greg but... left, man, the show was so fucking good. That's that was I, a highlight no, I, I right after he, I he died. What saying though, like I, I think that whole fallout was a really good segment of the show. There was about ten episodes that was just great. I think some of my highlights of the show were then, like when we rescued the Baroness's daughter, the werewolf episode where Darth first turned up. Like they were some of my favorite episodes that we did. Ooh. Okay, I'm actually interested in this one because they phrased it to Neil, not to me. What is Van's alignment? Oh. I would... I know this is maybe the least fun alignment, but I would say Van is definitely in the neutral good area. Because he's not quite chaotic, right? He's not like, fuck the police. I'm going to do this shit on my own. He's like... I'm going to marry into the royal family and just sort of ignore my wife and do good, but, like, <laughs> come back and take care of my wife and family and, you know, work with the kingdom and work with these other people, mm -hmm. but, like, sometimes just go off and do my own thing. Um, I would put him in the, the strong, neutral good category. Yeah. Yeah. Does Vaughn still swear, like, have allegiance to Chase? Yeah. Yeah. Um... I, I don't know if I if I sent it through well enough in the final episode, but the the goal was making it more like a I respect the the ideals that she embodies. It's not so much just a a like blind devotion, so much as like I think I get something as a person out of this this relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would have been does, a really. Um, how does changing? Oh, sorry, we've seen it in GTC, but in, in in this campaign, like, I don't think it's so easy for a cleric to change the god. But I would assume that at this point, you the gods would be willing to take Van up if he was like, oh, you know, I'm looking for a new home. Is that something that would be possible? Or I guess not? it would. Did, did you ever figure out what being a high level cleric means, Neil? Is it like being connected to the god is just a necessary component, but then like it's your own strength as a spellcaster that lets you cast spells? Or is it that you're like literally getting closer to your god every level? I'm not sure. Like, I think that your deity will grant you 
greater and greater spells. And I mm-hmm. think that is a function of both the trust that they have in you and your ability to navigate the like planes between the celestial sphere and where you are now. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, a I, I don't think a DD could like come down and be like, hello, first level cleric. Here's some seventh level spells. Have fun. I think a cleric trying to do that would probably like burn their brain out. Or something. Um, so, you know, a little bit of cleric getting stronger, better, and more capable of being a vessel, and a little bit more of the veil being uh, thinner or more easily pierced or more strongly connected. Um, yeah. The switching between deities, I think, is easier at lower levels, and the higher you get, yeah, the more gods are like, hold on. And Heelsing is my only cleric, guys. Are you really poaching my only cleric, Martha? Martha? You know, I think it becomes a little bit more um, personal at that point. Mm-hmm. Not that it can't, just... Yeah. Yeah. If, um, when Van Heelsing and Kine and Jeeves are on the shadow plane, there was some shit going on with Malchus. I think I asked you this in the first wrap-up, but you wouldn't answer, so maybe you'll answer now. The uh, the cleric that we cut his tongue out that we captured, who was the leader of the Malchus clerics, wanted me and Georg to capture all the stuff that ended up fighting Van and Kain and the temple. Right. So two questions. One, what would have happened if Malachi had been like, all right, fine, fuck them, leave them, I'll do what you want, I'll help Malchus. And two, could Van have forsaken Chase in the Shadow Plane and swore allegiance to Malchus as a way out of it? Well, let's do the second one first. Um, and rather than give you the direct answer that you would love, let me ask, can you even discuss, can you even talk to your deity on the shadow plane? Yes. I think the answer, yes. Oh, but it was only but at he, heat stroke, right? You could only do no, it. He also on Malchus. He could speak to Malchus, though, because Malchus was there. No, because we, we tried to talk to Malchus. I, I, I think Neil, like, chat was going like, oh, is he going to convert here? But I was, I was really just trying to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> mm-hmm. but so um, i think i think there's a, a lack of being able to reach and speak to deities on the shadow play like clearly you found ways to do it but it was you had to like go to the heat stroke and on the night of the full moon and then you could finally get your spells back at a slower rate or something but just yeah. like generally cruising around it's not so accessible oh. apparently we did like get a strange presence when we tried to talk to malchus I don't know if it was Malchus specifically. There was something described as an evil presence that we could feel when we tried to talk to Malchus. Yeah. Um, And what was the first part of the question? What would have happened if... Because there was a couple of times that the cleric with no tongue was trying to get Malachi to work with him. And then Mm -hmm. when Georg and I went up the Shadow Dragon's path and spoke to Malchus and he was basically like, "Uh, you don't need Van Helsing. Like, I can mm-hmm. give you a lot of power. You should work with me instead, more or less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what would have happened? He probably would have given you a lot of power. Like what? Uh, I don't know. We never had to figure that out. But, like, oh, okay. when the devil is offering you power, he's usually not lying. Mm. There's probably, like, a hidden string somewhere, or you just are now working for the devil. But, uh, you know... Maybe he's a good employer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Have, do you watch Rick and Morty? Have you seen The Devil? There's the uh, Needful Things episode. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of a dick, but like, you know, he's a good employer. He'll give you health yeah. insurance at least. Not that much of a dick. He wants his employees to be functional and powerful, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, what about Venlin? What was that all about? Didn't we confirm that Venlin was Malchus or something? I think Neil said it outside a game once, but I don't know if it's ever actually really been oh. officially confirmed. Venlin was the dude walking around with the ugliness potion at the very, very beginning, right? Yeah, very start of the show. He was the guy in the tavern, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was definitely a, some form of Malchus avatar sneaking into the world while his stars were below the horizon so no one would really notice. And just, like, being a dick. You know, I mean, I don't know if it was his one and true only form or if it was he is able to, like, split and have small little versions of himself walking around. I doubt total god of chaos would just be like chilling in Berg uh, in Shirebrook being like yeah one ugliness potion that's what I'm gonna do with my time on earth <laughs> it seems well, a little below his level but uh you know he's he also, the god of chaos he also seems to really hate Twin Tower right because the ugliness potion was used on Twin Tower's wife and then the next time he shows up was when Twin Tower became the Baron and he was like oh, I need you to get rid of Baron Twin Tower and make mm -hmm. something what, what did he have it in for Twin Towers I don't remember my notes. There was some sort of story about the Twin Towers and Pride and Malkit. Who can remember? <laughs> there was something there, but I, it's been so long. So um, another thing on that, which we never explored, was that when Darth first showed up, he was chasing a lead looking for some guy called Venlin. That's why they went down the Crystal Run in the first place. And mm -hmm. we, we never actually asked him where did he get that job from. Like, where did he, who had asked him to look into Venlin, or why was he even doing that in the first place? I don't, so you probably don't remember now. No, I don't remember either. Yeah, Too I long didn't ago. even remember that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I, I didn't even remember that was a thing either. It was a thing. I also just didn't remember thinking that he wasn't going to be a long-lived character, that he would be some NPC that would just, like, die off screen on their adventure, and mm -hmm. then he somehow stuck around. Like, he survived and then kept with the party, and I kept, like, writing him off and be like, whatever. Darf doesn't matter. He's going to die very shortly. He's going to die shortly. <laughs> God damn it. He's still here? Darf proved himself when he snuck into the werewolf yeah. cage and stole the book for us. It's so fucking awesome. I, I never expected that to work. Like, we gave him the stuff to do it, and then he just, like he did it and just came out with the book and i was i was blown away <laughs> yeah because we're like one of us could have feasibly have done it but we're like nah it's too dangerous and then he was like i'll do it i'm like okay fine yeah you do it and then he actually came back oh what a hero yeah yeah uh let's see when the schedules clear up a bit will there be a new show with the hardcore heroes fro fro cast and my answer is i would absolutely fucking love that um we need the schedule to clear up just a wee bit and I need if we're going to bring people back I want there to be a really a good show. cause yeah a good show like I want there to be um, a good storyline or a good plot or a good campaign I don't want to just be like oh let's just get together and do some dumb shit like yeah mm -hmm. I'm looking for an opening 
and hopefully... well, we did we did that we did that with Frozen Frontier, right? Yeah, we went in yeah. with like a concept and like a cool idea. I, mean, I think we literally sat in the call and made the concept on it because I remember that started yeah. because I was looking to the island of the south and I was like, "Hey, Neil, what's up with this place? Can we play there?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I would like to do it, and I just hope that you guys' schedules stay flexible. But you know, mm -hmm. it'll be difficult because you're out of school now. I think Greg has been out of school the whole time, but his schedule is always a little up and down and whatnot. As well, long as I, we're playing on weekends, my schedule should be more open than it was when I was in school. Yeah. If we stick to Sundays, like that's always going to work, I think. I mean, I can do evenings anyway mm -hmm. during mm -hmm. the week or whatever. But yeah, some, yeah, like the time we play on a Sunday, now that we're not doing <coughs> Hardcore Heroes once every quarter week and potentially Homeward Bound is going to end soon as well, mm -hmm. you know, we might end up all being free at that time slot on a Sunday again. I would like to do something. Yeah. Maybe uh, next chit chat we should talk about it. Or... I mean, we can, but I think it's too far out at this point. I'm... Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Although don't sit on it too long because you've got the beautiful oh, window where Greg is almost done with tax season, right? I know. <laughs> or he might actually be done with it now. I don't know. No, because there was a, a weird extension filed for the virus. Oh, okay. So yeah, I think so he... his shit's dragged out. Okay, yeah. But he's gonna he's gonna wrap that up and that would be the, the perfect window of opportunity. It would be. Yeah. Yeah. No better time when everyone's at home. Yeah. Do you still have intentions to like I don't know, I think I'd heard mutterings that you were planning on like just writing Arcadia off and like starting a new and you well, or are you more like committed to it now? Uh, I enjoy Arcadia, but I would like to try some new land masses and some new kingdoms and some new um, geographical setups and some new stuffs. So I don't think we're just going to like throw Arcadia out the window, but I would like to start reaching into some new lands and see what else is happening in the world. Mm. Uh, I think the you know, once these last few things wrap up, which seems to be taking a while, a couple of years longer than I thought. Uh, <laughs> it, it would be a nice time to go somewhere else. So either everything in Arcadia gets fucked and we can leave it alone for a couple of generations or, you know, someone triumphs over the red dragon and the demons. And uh, then, then we can like put it in a happy spot to rest for a bit and check back in in a few generations. Be like, wow, now here's how we're going. Uh, but we'll see. I'd like to bounce around. Yeah. Let's see. What is your what favorite moment, NPC interaction, fight, and near-death experience? What That's is your biggest regret or thing you would have changed apart from PCs dying? So, um, you know, what, what things do you like about the show, basically? Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, for near-death experience, I think there was probably never a fight as, like, tense as when we shipwrecked on that island. And yeah. we were a bunch of level one nobodies, and the hobgoblins oh. came out of the woods. So and we were just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. That, that, was, that was probably the closest for the, the near death experience. Because um, I remember like, that was where Corny died. Uh, Van Helsing narrowly blocked a swing from the, the big hobgoblin uh, chief. That was, yeah, no, that was. That was close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, near death experience um 
There was so many near-death experiences. We had the lawyer yeah, right. back to life in a few cases. I'd say the worst near-death experience was the fucking baby basilisk. That would have pissed me off. <laughs> I really I just remember <laughs> yeah. the spiders where we remembered you had the potion of heroism. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was great. Um, what else? Um, the where out, that was the first. Actually, you know what? My favorite near-death experience was like in the second episode when like a random level zero guy shot me with a bow and I had 10 AC. Oh yeah, to hit, and there was like a twenty-five percent chance of just instant death there because mm -hmm. I only had three health. I only had four health. Mm -hmm. Only does so four damage. A, yeah. No, he did D six damage. But he needed a he needed a ten to hit, and yeah. he needed to roll a four and a D six, and that would have just killed me. Ooh, that's a fifty-fifty <laughs> chance of killing him. And you, I man. think he hit him for two. Yeah. God. Yeah. Just about made it out. Imagine if he had died there, and Bijan and Corny had stayed on. That would have been the end of Nick. Experience. Would have been yeah, a totally been different game. Uh, well, what were the other things? Near death experience. Uh, uh, NPC fight, interactions, fight, fights, fight moments. Near death experience probably go together. Mm -hmm. um, NPC interaction and moment. Uh, so what I really liked was we were trying to do some research about Little Jimmy and the Werewolf Curse. Mm -hmm. The wear rat curse, and there was like a sage in Redport, also called Jimmy, I think, that I went to speak to. And uh, Fucking Jimmy. it was just a really funny interaction because I was trying to ask him to tell us how the how the curing the curse works like, do you have to cast it during a full moon or like before they turn or after like when they're not turned or whatever? And he charged me something like 30 gold for the answer, and then at the end, he was like, Oh, by the way, what kind of lycanthropy is it? And I was, I remember saying like, oh, that's going to cost you 30 gold. And we had like a little back and forth on that. That was funny. That's cute. I think yeah. I liked the forest gnomes hanging out in Van Helsing's oh, yeah. tree. That was, that, that was an interesting little, uh, little role play experience. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got two. Uh, one of them was, I forgot this happened until Nick sent me a video that, that somebody made about it was, um, Back when we used to like, Van would ask people what kind of monsters are in this area, and he'd write it all down. So we had a list. Yeah. And I asked some random peasant about it. And he's like, well, let's see. We got the orcs up in the hills, and the ogres a little bit beyond them. You got the mud men. Oh, and the giant spiders. Oh, there's the rock that flies. He just keeps listing off all these horrible things. And Van just interrupts him with, excuse me, friend, what the fuck? <laughs> I forgot that that existed, yeah, and I saw the video. <laughs> That's nice. That was good. That was um, good. Either that, or when Malachi tried to pick a fight with Redbeard. Oh, I was just gonna say that was crazy. He as was well. like, I, "I think I could take that guy in a fight." <laughs> <laughs> oh, the uh, the drinking contest with the dwarves. That was really funny with the potion of uh, whatever it was called. Oh. But you didn't need to sleep, and you couldn't get drunk. Yeah. Oh of, yeah. Endurance or on something like that. Yeah. God, how do we forget that now? That was the most broken shit. Yeah. Oh, Malachi drinking with himself. Oh yeah, that was. When you made the well. mirror images of yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the bar alone. Yeah. Uh, any regrets that you've about things that you've made uh, oh, yeah. about the decisions you've made? What's your regret? Well, Nick? The, obvi the obvious one, right, is leaving the fucking portal open. <laughs> you regret that? That isn't uh, now a highlight of your career? Well, it, you know, it eventually led to my death, right? So, not really. No. It, um, but I think killing Tyrus Bellows, probably. Oh, 
yes yes i am so glad you regret that it's almost worth you killing him for you regretting it later on because gail just stole the sword and then got himself fucking killed with it and it's just like oh it's all for nothing um should have killed Georg and let Tyrus live. He would have been more useful. <laughs> He's like the one good, pure-hearted person yeah, who honestly just wanted to do good the entire time. Fucking Malachi's like, murder him, chop his body up, throw him out to sea. I guess that was Aldric that you threw out to that sea like Aldric. that. But... No, I don't regret killing Aldric. Yeah, no, I don't blame him for killing Aldric. Aldric was... Yeah, he, he, was, he was intolerable. <laughs> The first time we met Aldrich was when he wanted to charge us like 300 gold for like casting a single spell to save my father's life. Mm-hmm. He's a right fucker. And he's just a dick from that moment onwards. Yeah, Yeah. well, you know, people who think they're better than everyone else and they've got money and magic and the, you know, the side of a baroness. They're just that fucking superior, holier than thou. They're, they're assholes. Yeah. Well, yeah, you roleplay them very well now. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have any regrets, just because, like, you know, like, we definitely made a lot of mistakes, but, like, that's what led to the story that we got. Um, you know, you, you got you to gotta fuck up so that you can, uh, like, figure out what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't yeah. call it a regret. Just like, yeah, it happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, another near-death experience that was classic was the Chimera fight. Mm. That was when Which the, that one? was when the dog... The, the first one with the, when the dogs just rolled crazy insane to kill the chimera. Mm-hmm. That was fucking sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Ah, those dogs. They were great. That was like the best 40 gold that Malachi ever spent. <laughs> they were wonderful. Yeah. Uh, let's see. For Neil, will Van ever be an NPC at this point? If so, would you consult with Sean about the choices that you'd make for Van as an NPC? How would you handle a party seeking him out for assistance? So I don't really want to play anyone else's character. I kind of consider that like Sean's property. Um, so I, if there was like a quick Van cameo, I might just do it on my own, but I would try to leave the dialogue to an absolute bare minimum and just be like, you see Prince Van Helsing riding on the horse and someone's like, I throw myself in front of him and worship him. And I'm like, oh, Van Helsing <laughs> carefully moves his horse around the way around you while like giving you a wave and throwing you a, a swan coin. I'm mm. like, you know, that's probably as much NPCing as I would do for Van. Would there uh, not be an option of retiring a character though and doing that? Because like I've always kind of liked the idea of if William can make it back, retiring him and having being an NPC. Like to the point where I would say, like, okay, he's yours now. Like I'm not I would be afraid <laughs> of ruining their legacy. Mm. I wouldn't want yeah. to like fuck up playing Van and have him be have a different personality under me that just yeah. isn't nice. That isn't proper, you know? It seems wrong. Yeah. I one area where I could see Van being an NPC is um if that one kid that he blessed makes it to become queen, mm-hmm. um, then that would probably be like, I could see him trying to be an advisor there. Like that'd be a chance to do, to do something uh, pretty revolutionary and good. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't think Neil needs to consult too much. Like I'd probably just send him like a list of, of like basic principles that Van holds and he can figure it out from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is uh, our child sure. destined to save the world? Might be right. Maybe, but maybe not this 
problem with the world, you know, like yeah. the next thing in 60 years or whatever. Uh, for Sean, does Van ever write a chronicle about the events of the demon invasion or pay someone to ghostwrite it for him? If so, how truthful and how in-depth is it? Oh, uh, yeah, I saw this one. So he probably write it himself. He is, I imagine, a good writer with mediocre handwriting, but otherwise a good writer. Every single one of Van's stats is busted except for dexterity. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's probably a good writer. But I think he would be very truthful. Um, I don't think he would write it in the immediate aftermath, but I think Van wants to make some big reforms to how churches are run in Arcadia. Um, mm -hmm. And he he wants to decentralize them heavily because uh, he does not like temples. Aren't they already uh, decentralized? No, 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 no. Decentralized, like, there are no temples, there are shrines. And if you're a cleric, you don't mm. live inside of the temple, you live with the community that you claim to represent. Ah. So you don't get to be like, I represent the poor district and then live in a luxurious temple. You actually have to live in the slums if you want to be able to say that you do that. Wow. All right. That's some real yeah. Jesus shit. Yeah. Our first so trip to Stromheim. When I, we... I think he would write that chronicle and probably, like, put the whole truth in there including all the uncomfortable stuff about like the nature of the gods and the the multi the multi-world theory yeah uh but he would do Ooh. all that with the intention of like making something better out of the religion that we have right now okay okay uh nick do you believe malachi has influenced the world in a positive or negative way uh honestly i mean it depends because i always joke that it's gaelic's fault leaving the portal open but if you can lay any blame of that in malachi then i'm pretty sure that it's pretty hard to outweigh that negative impact given how many thousands maybe even hundreds of thousands of people would have died of that result mm -hmm. um i think if you could if you could if you could remove all blame for that then maybe slightly positive do you feel bad at all about like raiding the tomb of a long lost long dead uh great and powerful wizard stealing his shit and then just like dying and so now it's just out in the world the stuff that was locked Do away for thousands of years or hundreds of years yeah maybe for dying i don't feel guilty for doing it in the first place because there was so mm. much shit in there about you know, this should go to someone who's going to use it for good. And, and it was made right. to be like a trial to too, right? Like he didn't make this tomb like I want. He could have destroyed all of his stuff, right? Right. Like it wasn't vanity that got him to bury himself with all of his things. It was, you know, I'll leave this here in case somebody needs it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't feel bad about taking it because I was genuinely trying to do good with it. Right. But do you feel bad about it just now sitting around being accessible to anybody? Like... No, because Van has it, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, but that's Van's not Van home. Would... Like, it's just sitting in your house. Your your guard on the door is Jeeves. <laughs> well, we do also have like twenty fire traps or something. That's true. I think we fire trap the door and every individual chest and also some other things. It A little bit, well. maybe. Yeah. I'm a bit annoyed that I never explained to anyone how the teleport circle works because I think that probably could have. Mm -hmm. helped a lot of things in the world it's okay i'll just was... i'll ask vicious to help me out with that one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait was i actually charmed now can you tell me no um i feel like nick was more charmed than anything and <laughs> that's perfect okay right i mean sure but you need i just mean with the role did i pass the save or not was or there even a was. saving throw or was i just baiting I you who knows anymore 
I think that's more fun kept in secret than anything else. <laughs> All right. Um, you guys see anything good in here you want to answer? Uh, what oh, do yeah. players... I'm just going straight down the list. What do players okay. think was the craziest or most unexpected moment in the campaign? What was the moment that surprised Neil the most? That's a good question. What surprised me the most was when I'm like, all right, guys, go steal some hair from a giant in like episode two or three. And you're all like, no, fuck that. We're going to do something else. And I wasn't quite... I thought I had like this story laid out and you were just going to do this shit and I would be able to like cow you into whatever. And you were all like, no, no, <laughs> no, we're going somewhere. And I was like, what? Okay. All right. You have a will of your own. That's interesting. I like it. But I was very surprised. Most uh, unexpected moment for me was after Van and Kyan and Jeeves got taken to the Shadow Realm and it was all fucked for a while. And then we defeated the dragon and we actually got back there and we saved Van and it was looking like everything was going to be okay. And I'd set up all these grand plans in Shirebrook and it was like feeling like, okay, I'm actually getting control of this town now, like I've been trying to do. And then in a, and I just didn't see it coming at all. Like, oh yeah, there's a conga line of demons. The whole town's destroyed. All the NPCs are dead. And just what you thought, everything was going back to normal. Actually, it's all completely fucked. That's good. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say I didn't think there were that many like big surprising moments because we were very thorough for most of the most of the game. Like we we did our homework on areas that we went to. Like we didn't have a whole lot of monsters we came in contact with that we weren't prepared as a possibility for us to come in contact with, except for that fucking chimera when we first left. Yeah, that was yeah. that yeah, right. that one came out of nowhere. Like Croak had just died. We were getting out of Dodge to get away from this like mafia member. We were we were like on the road as vagabonds. And then he was like, yeah, a uh, a three-headed monstrosity with the head of a <laughs> dragon and a lion and a goat comes down from the sky. And it was like all right, guess Thank guess you. we're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> show's not mm. worth it without Greg. Let's fucking kill him. Yeah, so that was by far and away the most, like, big surprising moment for me. Just when the random table was a big old, big old fuck you. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, in case we missed something from the time pool list, can Van do that now since he won D&D? And I'm just, I'm taking this question because you never win D&D. You just keep playing. <laughs> you cannot win D&D. That's all I have you can, to say. You can this. win as the GM. Can I you, I do though? all the time. Yeah. How how do you win? You get a TPK. <laughs> <laughs> don't pretend that you don't think that, Neil. I don't always think that. There are if times. There was no, if there was no show behind it, like if there was no sort of like other incentive to keep the show going, I feel like you'd be well, be, well up for See, a TPK. This is one of time. those cases where a lot of GMs don't score their kills, right? So they're not sure. They feel bad for killing off a party, but it's because they didn't go... Was this a fair death? I didn't fuck them over, did I? They brought this doom on themselves. That's how you score your kills that you know whether or not to feel <laughs> proud about your TPK. I try not to feel proud about that stuff. <laughs> I feel pride in anything is what will eventually ruin a campaign by me getting blindsided and railroading people. So I try to be dispassionate, you know, um, I have to remain impartial or the game has no meaning sort of approach. Mm. It's very yeah. noble. Eh. I mean, it's kind of a dick move because then I can be like, whatever, I don't care. I'm not actually trying to do anything. It's like, 
a little pompous and holier than thou. Mm. Uh, NPC fates. What happened to Baron Song and the baby after the invasion? They survived, they escaped, and they are somewhere. I don't know exactly where, but they are out there right now with a ring of telekinesis and uh, doing something. What about uh, Rohana? Did she die? The transmuter? In Shirebrook? Like yeah, she owned the shot. She was a di- di- diviner, I think. Diviner? Yeah, I think she got wrecked. I think she was she probably murdered and eaten right? by demons. Yeah, probably. Shame. Yeah. Uh, what happened to Joris's wife? He had a wife? Yeah, he had a wife. That was why he stopped adventuring, apparently, because his wife didn't want him to do it anymore. Right, right. And he had a little house and you guys visited it. I just don't remember talking to his wife or seeing her when you visited his house. No, so I'm really. like blanking on her. Was she even alive anymore? She was alive. I had a dastardly plan to steal his ring, which involved speaking to his wife, casting suggestion on her to kill him in his sleep the next time Ooh. they went to bed together. You just want to murder all the cool people, don't you? <laughs> I just want to get You'll all the nice You'll fit in with Destiny, items. Mr. Mooton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll fit right okay. in. I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, what happened sure to Sturge the Ranger? Probably also dead. That guy's hard to track down. Who would even know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess he could just be off. Maybe he's like chilling with Porvin and they're both like naked bros down by the lake. Uh, <laughs> that's the only other option, but he's probably dead. What was Tyrus Bellow's secret solemn backstory that he never revealed to anyone? No, because if I answer it here, then it'll just be in the wiki. And then when other people go back and watch it, they'll be like, oh, who's this Tyrus guy? Oh, okay, this is backstory. And no one will ever be able to watch it with the mystery of who the fuck is this Tyrus Bellows guy. And the the mystery will be ruined for any future viewers, so we'll, we'll keep that one closed. Okay. Uh, what has the stone giant near Bontheris been doing all this time? And what about the goblin village in the goblin woods where Malachi's father was being held? Stone giants are just living their best stone giant life, man. They're out there smoking the weed, doing what stone giants do, you know. <laughs> Trying to kill Stoned off all the giants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. What about the goblins in the village that was south of the Shadow Mountains? So that it's was up now... the Crystal Run a little, right? Right. No, it, was down, it was down the coast on the way to Whiteshaw, and then you went up a river to get to it. I remember that. Yeah, but I think it's in the Demon Free Zone. So those goblins are doing great. Oh, the people are fucking gone. Nature is taking its place in White Shore and the Central Plains, everybody. The goblins are returning to the Goblin Woods and the Pridelands and the White River. Um, They're doing great. What happened to White Shore? That is uh, still an outstanding mystery, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I'd like someone to go investigate, or it'll probably be a plot point somewhere, hopefully. Um, let's see. Considering how flammable webs were in the web incident in Redport, can you nuke a web-filled area with a tiny flame, aka spider dens? So, oh, okay. This is a different question than the one I saw. Yeah. So, like, the web spell is flammable. Spider webs are not. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a YouTube video about out there after this Redport incident where someone like 
went out with a, a lighter and tried to burn spider webs in their backyard, expecting it to burst into flame, and they just sort of like shriveled away. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but it was posted many many years back, and I got a huge kick out of it. I think someone was like trying to show up to their little sister is, or something. It sounds like the web spell is very dense, like very dense webbing, and like much thicker than actual spider webs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's magical and all sorts of yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. I uh, the one I saw was somebody asking like, could you just like mass web an area and then have somebody just like drop a torch on it or something and essentially put off like a wizard nuke? My thought was like, yeah, but how many third level spells are you blowing to like <laughs> create two d four fire damage? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, just do fireballs. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't a second think level spell web, but oh, okay. I think so, if you, yeah. I think if you stack webs, it's not going to do more damage. Well, no, I they think, meant like oh, just a could you wide could you area. cover like a whole army by just having a bunch of wizards cast webbings, and then and then just set one bit of the web on fire and it just spreads across the whole army and ignites everyone. Yeah, totally. But you know, fireballs, lightning yeah. spheres, you know, anything else. It's it's an inefficient use of power. But sure, why not? Uh, for Neil and Sean, will Malachi's teleportation circle now be made open source? <laughs> I I actually that is one thing I was going to push Malachi on is like creating a public network of um like teleportation circles. I think it's legit now that he's dead. The only reason he wouldn't have done it is because it was sort of dangerous. Yeah, it might be something that he teams up with Joris to do. Um I actually really like the idea of there being like a public network of teleportation circles that go into town squares. Um because you can't like, they're fairly safe. You can't transport an army using a teleportation circle, right? Because you only have so much space you can move in it. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just a way for you to like move people around quicker, and like people could probably just use the. I we need to find a way to get it so that people can just use them, right? Well, like, so you don't need a high level spell, wizard right? to cast it. Yeah, yeah. You need to find a way to like put the teleportation magic directly into the circles so that it just becomes a thing that people can do. So you would need some higher level stuff and some permanency spells. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's yeah. something that I want to do though is just create like a permanent network of like teleportation circles that people can use to move around Arcadia at will. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Will the dwarves of Roxas make a statue of or some sort of remembrance to Malachi? Probably not. Probably like he was a dude that. that- passed through their area but it's not like his death was in service to roxas in any way shape or form yeah at least from their perspective you know well it wasn't really yeah i guess it was in a way i mean it was like in service of the world but like (laughs) they'll never really know that you know that's something they won't ever actually feel um Let's see. For Sean, will Van ever return to the tomb of the guy who owned the Staff of Light? Will Van ever go back to the tomb and collect the resources there? Probably. Uh, Just to get it out of the tomb. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he had anything that was like super dangerous secret knowledge, right? Like he had a lot of useful magic and spells. Yeah. But I don't think it's like we need to destroy this for the sake of the world. I think he might just go collect it so that he can, you know, not have it lying around in a tomb that's eventually going to get raided by like thieves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he basically just had like a top level library, a load of spells. I'm thinking. Yeah, like he had a lot of cool magic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might he might requisition it out to like 
people doing good. Mm-hmm. That, uh, uh, uh-huh. I was going to say the Rod of Consolation could be useful in trying to close off the portals to the Demon Realm. Mm. Let's see. Uh, why don't the demons have spellcasters? They do. And yeah. we saw them. They're weird though, because they're not like regular spellcasters, right? They have like innate spellcasting. They're not. They're not like wizards. Yeah. Yep. Um. Let's see. Will you tell us what the downsides are by being possessed by a shadow demon? There's no downsides. You're like possessed by a shadow demon. How could that be bad? It just so brings cool. you good things. <laughs> but if anyone has any theories on what theoretical downsides might be, I'm happy to hear them. Well, I mean, that seems more relevant to how what Boundland Hawker here is right now. Yeah. Why did Vans dictate not work on these demons when it had done so in the past on others? I tried to do it not to the same type of demon, right? God, I don't even remember. Which so back did you in dictate? the Shadow Realm, the demons that possessed a bunch of people, I dictated them to get them to leave their bodies. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember what I dictated in the fight. Wasn't it like the climbing demons or something? God, I don't remember. Oh no, I think I tried to dictate the um the dragon. Oh, the, nice. the worm. And I was I was like try, I think I dictated it and told it to betray its allies or something. Hmm. Subjects um, who said, cannot the, understand the, the caster are dumb, not affected. It, yeah, you said yeah. the fireworm was not dumb, but it did not speak common, I think. Right, so if you're dictating things and they don't know what you're saying, dictate just has no effect. Whereas I think the demons, when they possessed somebody, like, the possession has a sort of a two-way streak. You, mm-hmm. the possessed person, takes on some attributes of the demon, and the demon takes on some attributes of them. So when a demon possesses someone, they understand all the languages that person speaks so they can be dictated to and spoken to. Mm -hmm. uh, One of my biggest regrets is not learning a couple new languages like Abyssal or Draconic. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could put that down as a regret. (laughs) Mm. Um, Let's see. This is just like demon combat strategies, which we won't go over. If the fireworm's breath can travel through the barrier, why can't it destroy the crystals from within the barrier? Well, of course they can. Like, the crystals are accessible from either side of the barrier, so you don't even need the fire breath to pass the barrier to do it. Yeah, because they're... Yeah. Everyone... The demons did destroy the crystals from within the barrier. Mm -hmm. Uh, More generally, why can't the demons destroy the crystals from within the barrier? They can. By throwing heavy rocks at them, they can. Until they break, they can. Or they can use their claws or their swords, as we saw happen. Yeah, Uh, you gotta gotta guard it on top of putting up the barrier. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Would the fireworm have gotten a save if Malachi tried to blind it with the Staff of Light? Do you mean, would the fireworm get a save if Malachi used a saving throw ability on it? I don't know if this is supposed to mean like it would automatically succeed or automatically fail, but when spells call for saves, usually monsters get saves. I don't know. Um, let's see. What was Malchus really up to? 
Any any ideas? Okay, so I think expanding this question to like what was going on with the disappearing people in the villages. I mean, I think it had to be a combination of the dragon and Malchus working together. And maybe Why? some sort of deal, like the like Malchus was teleporting people to the dragon and in return it opened the portal to the Shadow Realm so that Malchus could pass through it unseen by the other gods. That uh, is like 90% accurate, I'll say. Yeah. I feel like yeah. you might have told me that at some point, which is probably wise, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I think as to why, on a root level, Malchus is just a big fucking dick. He just—he's just—he's just a jerk. He sucks. Well, I mean, he's, he's trying the... to shake up the system, right? Did he? Does he feel like he succeeded? Is that why he's returned, or does he like? I mean, you he... tell me. Has the system been shaken up? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess it has. I guess so, if yeah. your description of shaken up is like half of the continent dead and smoldering. Yeah. Well, well he's, he's disrupted the, the order. Mm-hmm. He's the oh, god of chaos, right? Yeah. He's... What is Malchus up to? Causing chaos. You know? What's Martha up to? Causing life. <laughs> Why know? did Astaire not try and intervene? Mm. I do believe that the cleric in Shirebrook was an Astaire cleric, and I tried to get him to appeal to Astaire for aid. Maybe he's just not strong enough. It just feels like Malchus was out there, like, impacting things directly with intent. And the other gods kind of sat back and let him do it. There was a... Uh, on the other side of an ocean, there's a, another big war happening that is sort of drawing most of the focus of most of the gods. Not that they can't focus on multiple things at a time, but like huge, like much larger continent spanning war is happening just across the ocean. Uh, mm-hmm. And so this is almost like the the smaller battlefield that is happening at the time. The one that we went far more in depth on. But like, there are bigger fish to fry in the world. So Astaire was sort of distracted, distracted. Oh my God, there's fucking demons everywhere and it's too late. You know? I need to listen. Uh, Let's see. What was Van or Malachi's secret weapon to pull out if the fight went wrong during a fight that went wrong i guess oh any fight that went wrong yeah uh when he got third level spells it was turning into a tree when he got fourth level spells it was windborne and i think he used both actually to try and escape combats yeah because i i turned into a tree to um hide from those guards that were chasing us out of redport yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used Windborn to escape the fight that we lost outside of Misty Rapids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just casting invisibility, which worked for me a lot. Yeah. Until it didn't. Yep. And now that I'm level, once I got fifth level spells, it would have been Airwalk, which lets you just run in the air. <laughs> that that would have been my my next escape spell. That that's yeah. That's basically all I just do to uh, to escape is get out or turn into a tree. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, who made Malachi's father sick? Just regular old disease. I thought he had a special disease. Specifically, did he have a special disease? I'm pretty sure it was magical, and that was why we needed like the, the special it? cure. God, I don't remember then. I thought it was just a regular thing. 
I mean, he could have contracted a magical disease just from the world, right? I think he just had Siren VD, right? It's probably more magical than your average. Was it a special disease? I, I thought it was magical. Because, like, there was, there was a reason that we needed the spell to get rid of it. Hmm. What what other spell would have worked? We tried Cure Curse, which Aldrich cast, and that didn't work. And we did have a Cleric cast something on him, and it didn't work. But then we Maybe, because Cure Disease can remove magical diseases. I don't remember. Maybe it wasn't me. I, I thought it was. I thought there was something weird about it was one thing that we had established, was that it wasn't just an ordinary disease. Maybe that is the case. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing you put in as a plot hook as a GM, and then you maybe or maybe don't follow up on depending on where the interest goes from your players. So that's not too surprising if it yeah. does go that way. Talking about that, it was like the third episode, and you made me like roleplay my father dying of a disease and having to like say goodbye to him. I was like thinking, oh, what the fuck? Let's see. These uh, aren't super fun. Was Chief's testing van in any way? If so, on what? And what would have been the reward? I can't think of... I think the only two tests Van ever faced was the time there was a guy railing against Chief and executing swans in New Fort. Mm. And, I still uh, wish I had just killed that guy, to be honest. Yeah, he deserved it. Yeah. Well, you did well because, you know, Chisa's a god of appearances and everything, and you did a good job of peacefully yeah, resolving if I, that. if I had been a paladin, I think I would have, like, just summarily executed the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I th- that was why I didn't do it. It was like, I'm a cleric, not a paladin. I should probably... Right, but also it wouldn't appear very good for a cleric of Chisa to be, like, murdering people. You know, <laughs> that's maybe not the best PR yeah. move to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would have been badass, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one, the other closest thing you could have to a test would be when she shows up as a, a swan and lays on Malachi's body and then is sort I don't know if dickish is the right term, but like she appears as a swan who doesn't speak common, you know, and she doesn't really yep. give Van the answers he wants. And then there's another person here like offering solution B right away. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's not quite like an intentional test and either of these are, but I think those are the two closest moments of Van's faith being tested. Yeah, faith being tested for sure. I think there was also the time when uh, we wanted the scroll of resurrection, but uh, Chiefs was like, I think you should honor your agreement. So it was like, okay, mm, right. <laughs> let's go give him the scroll of resurrection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Was that... <laughs> never gonna work. If we'd have done that and tried to use it to resurrect Croak, that assume that just wouldn't have worked. I don't think Neil had it figured out at that point. That that is guess. the real answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, it could have changed the entire way the game was played and the world was built. You know. Uh what were the solemn will solemn wizards building on the airship? Oh yeah. Were there solemn wizards building something? Yeah, there were. They were in red robes. They were being salted to me. Yeah, but they, they weren't like... They were just doing shit, right? They, I don't think they had a special plan going on. Yeah, yeah. I think they were just... They were, they were obviously there for some some reason. 
Yeah, I mean, they're just wizards doing wizard shit. They're, I, don't, I don't have any plot yeah, lines for I mean, any were, of those wizards. Yeah, and I remember like Joris was making something there. Like they were building a charm or something. Yeah, Joris was working on a anti-detection charm. Mm. Uh, this is actually a story that I did want to get into. Here we can get some lore for you all. So in Stromheim, <laughs> it's been like besieged by these undead. And the queen and Joris and some of her like best guards or whatever are going to try and peace out or have pieced out, depending on where we are on the time, uh, from the town. But knowing that there are enemies who are coming for them, the queen can't just like walk out of the town. You can, if you have the right tools, you can scry on a person and be able like to find them in the world. So Joris right. was building some anti... Uh, detection methods so the queen and Joris and two other people could escape secretly through some back tunnels and sally ports uh, and go mm. off on an adventure you know fleeing does, the destruction of Stromheim. Does Joris not have teleport? He oh. does and he could just have pieced out just... with a teleport if he wanted but the but he bigger could teleport thing the others too right? Yeah but then someone seven, could still f- I don't remember but the, if he could teleport, like, someone could still then come find him. That's and true, so he yeah. wanted more of, like, a... So he wants a permanent solution. Yeah, like, let's find a way to hide. We'll escape out into the countryside. And with the idea of the queen trying to eventually rebuild the kingdom of Eridon or something. Which okay. is a potential well, new campaign to run with people is um, Queen Kira Sanguine and a couple of escorts running around the countryside trying to rebuild a kingdom or find some way to overthrow uh to, to counteract count vicious and the undead army or, or something like that what made joris um because when we first met joris he was like retired and he didn't seem to be like have any love for the nobility or the queen or whatever so mm-hmm. is it the destruction of copper hill by count vicious that made him be like fuck this i need to do something about it or yeah i mean you might you might not like the nobility and you might not like the royalty and the way that the system is built but it's nice to have you know like you may not trust the government but when someone shoots your dog you're still going to take advantage of the court systems to sue the person or like you know (laughs) see them put in jail or whatever right yeah he might not like them but that doesn't mean he's going to destroy them at all costs yeah sure yeah but he seems to not be taking a very active role in is that like a sense of juicy kind of thing I think it's a sense of survivability, you know? Mm. The more heavily you get involved with shit, the more likely someone's going to come and fuck you up and kill you. Yeah. Uh, I think we've seen the most powerful casters in Arcadia are the wizards who, like, live in remote places and don't get involved with world politics and fighting and whatnot, and they just, like, chill in their towers and do their separate research because if you get involved with things, people will kill you or you'll get yourself killed somehow. So the question is, how do they get so high level if they're not doing anything? Because, you know, you you start making spells, you get XP for making spells, you start using your spells to build yourself a tower, you do some, like, grinding here, some grinding there, you could gain levels through research. I'm, you know, it's not fun for PCs to gain levels through research, but <laughs> yeah, it's a necessary part of the, the game world. isn't meant to accommodate those sorts of paths to power, right? Like, right. the game is built for how do adventurers level up and other people just kind of do it differently. I think if you were in a game and you're like, okay, I just want to study and research until I'm level 20 or level 10 or whatever, 
in theory, we could be like, okay, let's just skip ahead 20 years and let's just play you as a level 10 wizard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just not a very fun way to play. Uh-huh. So... No. Um, none of these are fun. Do you guys have any more fun ones? Yeah, we're going to go down the list if you if you ask me. Oh yeah, just keep going then, as you please. Okay. Uh, now that you've gotten to a relatively high level, double digits at least, are there any parts of two point Neil that you feel don't work properly in that level range? Are there any major rule changes that you feel are worth experimenting in response to higher level experience? Ooh, what do you guys think about this? I care a lot about your opinion on this one. I think combat falls apart at higher levels in D&D, and I think it's very inherent to the game system because D&D doesn't really give you stakes beyond killing or being killed, and it doesn't really give you ways to hurt people beyond doing hit point damage that don't feel really shitty. Like, nobody likes level drain, and nobody likes magical aging. So you're put into this weird state where at a certain point you got so much healing and so many like instant nuke items and so many counter magic items that it's hard to make encounters that aren't just straight up winnable um or or like that that aren't super swingy essentially that aren't like wildly imbalanced around the idea of like either the pcs are just going to instantly be nuked or they're going to instantly nuke the enemy team Mm-hmm. And I think the only real way you can fix that is by shifting the focus away from combat, which is kind of a shame because that's what D&D is fundamentally as an action game. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. It just gets save or die. Yeah. You know, and the only things that can threaten you are save or die. So, uh, yeah, but I don't think there's a way to really to fix that. Um, I don't think that's necessarily related to two point Neil. Yeah, it, it's, it's difficult the best you could really do is like in in the vein of like high level characters making like strongholds and structures in the world is trying to like turn high level gameplay into more of a management sim right where like you're building up your own town or something and you mm-hmm. want to try and keep it alive and like you try and make npcs that people care about and then put them in threatening situations like that's Mm-hmm. that's that's high level gameplay it feels like that's how you make it work in a way that isn't inherent it's like we're not going to threaten you so much through direct combat because you're probably not going to be overwhelmed unless we make a really shitty combat um, mm-hmm. we're going to like threaten everything you care about right we're, we're going to try and get you to do something big in the world and then make that a very volatile unstable thing mm-hmm. which is what happened yeah, yeah. someone asked <clears throat> why do wizards build towers aren't they sort of like a I can't remember the exact wording it was in twitch chat I saw somebody build. say something about that actually. It draws it was, a lot was... of unneeded attention. Yeah. But but <laughs> that's a very good if reason. you if you have a tower, you can teleport to it completely yep. safely. Because that's you it. can yeah. yeah. That's but it. and then that got me thinking, why not make not a tower, but just like a, a hole in the ground, right? Like an underground structure, because then you don't draw attention because you're not sticking up out of the landscape, but then well, you still have that levolution. Because if you're going to build an underground thing, you're essentially still building a tower, but it's more work because now you have to excavate this thing and you have Mm -hmm. to, like, keep it. So I think the tower is the easy version and, like, the underground tower is just, like, a fucking pain in the ass, but you could technically do it. Yeah. Also, I mean, aren't most wizards egotistical and the idea of having (laughs) this massive tower signifying their power and strength is kind kind of what they're going for? 
uh, yeah, yeah. Also, That's, being yeah. above ground is kind of nice. Uh, being able to, like, if you have a, a walled system, being able to look out your window at someone approaching your tower gives you some, mm. like, perspective. Whereas if you're on ground uh, floor, all, like, you could look out your window, but you would always be at level with them or below yeah. them. So. As if you couldn't just expect wizards to, like, put a scrying spell on all of their windows, essentially, with permanency, so that they can always look out of their underground window as though they're looking out of the ground floor window. I suppose. Uh, I wonder if there's maybe a a tunneling tactic that would it would leave towers vulnerable to, because um, then your walls would be all underground. So anything that would tunnel in could come in from the sides. But I guess it could come in underneath your floor anyway. I don't know. I, I like the vanity explanation. It would explain why wizards wear robes too, right? Like that makes you a target because people know that wizards are dangerous, but you do it anyways because it's like I'm a I'm a wizard. I'm better than you. Also, yeah. issues of lighting, you know? Otherwise, you have to magically light everything, and then you're in well, perpetual that's, light. That's and what I meant having by the scrying spell, cycles. right? You use a scrying spell that sends natural light through. Oh, so you don't mean like a scrying spell. You mean like a, a visual portal All of your windows are basically just scrying portals. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, that's some high-level shit, because you can build yeah. a wizard tower with just this stone wall spell. Um, but to get magical scrying windows would need permanency. So that mm-hmm. that's a higher level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. For Neil, you seem to have gotten a number of fan favorite players from the interviews for Hardcore Heroes. Would you ever do interviews for players for future campaigns? Absolutely. I would love to, but there's the like the difficulty of the making it happen um because in order to do what i do i have to make some money at it right so one of the easy ways is being hired out to run campaigns for other people um so that we like we do with gtc or empires of arcadia or outpost santa barbara um which kind of fills up my availability for campaigns but if there were a time where the general support was enough that I could not take on extra work from outside sources and instead like run my own campaigns, then I would be more able to bring people in like that. Um, Hardcore Heroes happened because I was at a particular point where I was just free and I had room and that seemed like a fun way to go about it. And I didn't have any like contract work at the time. So this is actually more of an economics issue than anything else. If, um, not uh, you know if if the the general community support is high enough i can just we can do more fun stuff like this and take more risks and do more interesting things rather than having to to sell out to the man and run campaigns for other people hang on let me just get that patreon link because <laughs> <laughs> um, i think we got i think the interview process was great we interviewed like 18 people or nine pe- eight people but there were a total of 16 or 32 people who applied and we whittled it down and got four really really good folks uh, and i was quite happy with that mm-hmm. and then we got another six good ones later with a uh, max and kind uh bastion and um <laughs> still getting the that people one. from the other one <laughs> the what just so the name. We're still mixing up their names. <laughs> yeah, Max and Ben. I was Kine. just somebody was talking about the um, the Malchus cleric battle in Discord the other day. So I was oh, it was the heat metal spell. 
somebody made a point it was like uh it was funny when you tried to cast heat metal and i'd already read that it didn't work on ferrous metals and i had it ready because everything was bronze right that it wasn't I, I was i was so ready to be screwed over and then you brought that up and saved me so anyway i was just watching like one part of that uh last night and the amount of times all three of us call kind bastion and bastion kind like we called bastion kind more than we called kind kind it's fucking yeah. <laughs> so funny even like it gets pointed out and then like 30 seconds later it happens again so funny yeah yeah i don't know why those two got so mixed up maybe because bastion already sounds like a fantasy name sort of i know it's, it's actually like a real name yeah, that no, a it's, real it's, person it's has it's a good fantasy name is, is fantasy it would be name. it would be a good character name yeah Question for the whole cast. What is the biggest takeaway or lesson you have learned thanks to participating in this great campaign? Whether being it be a better player. Being a better player? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't... I thought that was the end of the question. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, um... Hardcore Heroes was the first time I'd ever actually, like, been a player in a long-term campaign. Almost all my work before that had been as, like, a GM. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a learning experience of like not being the one who runs the game and i can't watch the early episodes because i'm insufferable uh, <laughs> but like you know it's that was that was the learning part was like i'm not running the game and i need to like take a step back and acknowledge that like i'm just a player here uh and and yeah you know it, it was a change of perspective that i learned from playing on this show nice um I'm the same boat. I'd never really been a player before, but learning to just sort of go with what the DM says and hope that it's going to be all right. Mm. You know, just like not, it's easy because Sean always did all the lawyering for me, but not arguing too much. And even though it feels like maybe you're missing a trick by doing that, you know, karma has a way of coming back to help you out in the end. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think if you can, if there is trust between the GM and the player, uh, the game is a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and it can be difficult to have that trust. But if you can, yeah. if you can find it, it's a it makes the game really interesting. Yeah, and I I wouldn't even call it like an issue of trust so much as like most of the times where we where we get into arguments about how things should be going down, it's usually like. It's not, I think you're doing this in bad faith. It's like, I don't understand how this resolves mm-hmm. in the fiction in the way that it is it is being resolved in game. It's usually like differences in expectations, right? Mm-hmm. It's not an issue of trust. It's just like two people went into the same situation, but with different expectations of what was going to happen. But there's a certain, when I say trust, I mean, there's a sometimes develops between players and DMs an animosity where the players think the DM is trying to kill them and thinks mm. that the DM is trying like, oh, you put this high-level monster here to kill me. You're unfairly targeting me and going after me. Um, and with that perspective, it's hard to like yeah. accept fates. It's hard to be like, oh, okay, well, the spell's happening here. It's more of like, you're trying to screw me over here, and I'm going to try and argue out of every possible plot thing because I don't. I think that you're actively trying to kill me, and if I don't lawyer myself every moment, then we're going to die. I, I'm gonna for for anybody who is that paranoid player out there, that's like the low tier kills for a GM. That's what that's what gets you a low score when you kill a character off, right? So the ideal your GM is gonna try and get you to doom yourself, right? That's what mm-hmm. they're gonna try to make happen because it gets really boring really fast when you put in a high level monster that's just gonna like 
nuke the other players and there's nothing they can do about it. Best best scores when the player's doom is of their own making. So so you know, trust the GM a little bit. They're gonna wait for they're gonna wait for you to screw yourself over. For the most part. Some GMs do 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 have some some issues that they gotta work out. Yeah. Yeah. and Nick, what was your I, I think I just, yeah, yeah, trust. I, yeah. I was the one who said that, right? Just, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, what else? Uh, learning. I don't know. If you play in 2E, really read the spells because some of them are fucking broken. Like, I don't know yeah, it, how yeah. much it's appreciated, but I went out of my way to pick the most broken spells at every <laughs> opportunity. And it really, really paid off. Mm-hmm. Some of them, th- yep. this is the thing. I'm looking at the 5E spells now, and they're all kind of balanced. They're all kind of like, oh, that's kind of yeah. as good as that one. It's like, oh, it's not. I want to find like the three spells per level, like in Tui, that just oh well, this is just by far and away the best spell of the level. I find like you stuff would... almost doesn't matter what you pick because they're all going to be like equally well rounded. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost worse when I start playing uh, Five Torches Deep because all the spell descriptions that are like a sentence, right? So there's not a whole lot of detail about how the spell works, and people are like, "So wait, can I use it to do this?" And you have to make a ruling. It's like. Fuck, am I going to break the game if I say yes right now? Fuck, can the spell do this? <laughs> because the yeah. spells are so much more broad in how they can be applied. Yeah. So yeah, you do you do have to do a lot more homework to find the broken stuff. Although, most of the cleric spells aren't that broken, but we've used them to surprisingly good effect. Like, uh, I remember Ryan, when we did the dwarf demon run episode, uh, mm-hmm. setting up like all the trip spells, and that's like a first or second level spell mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Like, he did a lot mm-hmm. of stuff with some not particularly broken spells. Yep, yep, those were good. Uh, next question for Neil Why do you hate Malachi slash the viewers? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't hate Malachi, I love Malachi. But I'm not gonna baby him, right? Yeah. Like, you're fighting a giant fireworm, someone's probably gonna die, you know? It's also, not a hate sort of hate Malachi. Nick. Well, that's Nick, but not Malachi, <laughs> right? It's a totally different relationship. I started talking too much shit about Neil not being able to kill my characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just set an example. Loki, that's what actually happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's totally it. Um, as for hate the viewers, I don't hate the viewers. I just know that listening to the viewers does not make a good show. Yep. Like you get they're the viewers. The moment you start listening to them is when everything falls apart. Uh, and for your sake, you don't want me to listen to you. Uh, so I don't. And it's not yeah, that I hate you. you. It's just that we, you know, we need to exist in separate states. There's yeah. like a you know, glass wall here. It's a glass wall. It, it, it's interesting because like you do need to like pay attention to how viewers feel because it's going like if people aren't satisfied with how something is going, like it's worth listening to. But then at the same time, chat is always going to go for the feel good outcome and is never going to go for the thing that is not immediately satisfying. So you do mm-hmm. need to like draw lines there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is exactly what you want, right? Because if if you are watching a D&D game and you're like, oh, please resurrect Malachi. And we're like, okay, cool. You resurrect Malachi. And like, there's another fight. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, please let Malachi win. And like, he wins pretty soon. You're just like, oh, we get everything. And it's, yeah, it's not yeah, fun. Yeah. You yep. know, there's, you want to have something to rail against. And that's my job. My job is to be yep. that like thing that you can't control that you desperately want to control, which is sort of what helps what make it fun. 
Yep. So, um, I, I like Juhanian's line on it. Listen to problems, don't listen to solutions. Like, that's... yeah, yeah. There we go. So, anyone still upset about Malachi dying? You know, the game has been going on for four years. Um, at some point, it's got to end. And I think the game ending without the characters dying is never going to feel satisfying because it's mm -hmm. going to always feel like oh, I want to come back and see what happens next. Mm -hmm. So, kind of got to end sometimes. So you kind of got to die. And, you know, there's a plethora of ways that Malachi could have died that would have been far less satisfying than what actually happened. And the fact mm -hmm. that it happened in sort of a, uh, like a world ending kind of scenario. And on top of that, it was kind of like fulfilling a bit of a redemption arc, at least in my mind, sort of self selflessly saving Van and thereby dooming himself. I think is quite a nice, um, I think it wraps up quite nicely. And at the end of the day, I'm not sure if I could design the perfect end to Malachi's story. I'm not sure what else I would have come up with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck Malachi, fuck the viewers. Um, next question. Was there any PC backstory information that was never revealed during the game? Did you guys not get anywhere? Uh, there anything I you mean, to we share? technically never figured out basically anything about Vans, but it was never, like, we don't really know how his dad died. We don't know how his mom died. Like, you know, I don't think we ever put much weight on those, right? They were just kind of meant to be like, this is an event that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I mean, I guess never find out who Malachi's mother was, but other than that. Yep. Yep. Um, for Sean, is this really Van's last adventure? Or does Van spend the rest of his life adventuring? Uh... I don't know. I I think it's there. There's a decent chance of Van doing more stuff, but again, it'd probably be a very different experience. It'd probably be more of that management stuff, right? Like I I would imagine if we're gonna come back, it's going to be uh, not Van going on random adventures so much as Van doing like big institutional stuff, trying to make changes in the world. Mm. And I hope everything culminates into Van being unwittingly killed by his own son. Uh, <gasps> over over a dispute over who has right of way for their carriage on the road. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my good. hope. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, well, I think I've hit up all the ones that I wanted to get to or I thought was fun. So if anyone has anything they would like to do, we can answer a few more, but we should probably wrap this up in the next 10, 15 minutes, I think. Okay. Let me take a look uh, here. Yeah. Uh, oh, we could also just take life. them directly from chat, too. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, maybe we should take some from chat. Yeah. yeah. I'll see if there's anything I really want to do on this document, but we should prioritize chat here, probably. Right. All right, chat, put them up. Show us what you got. Does Van still have access to solipsism after you decided that it was super broken? Uh, well, one <laughs> of the nice things about Hardcore Heroes ending is I can go through and edit the spell list again and just like start removing spells that I think are dumb and I don't want to play with anymore. And solipsism, hey, solipsism might be one of them. not that broken. Like, I have a okay, hard yes. time managing it. I have a really hard time with it. I mean, 
at the point of being seventh level, you should have good opportunities to like travel, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it, it's a good travel spell. And the only reason it works as well as it does is because um, we use unfailing endurance with it. And that's two fourth level spell slots right there. And you can't cast any spells while it's up. And it's dangerous to fly with it because if you take damage, the thing fizzles. Mm -hmm. So like solipsism is relatively balanced. I'd call it a very cool but reasonable spell. I think the way that you use it works out really well. And I think in the future, when someone like Destiny gets their hands on it, <laughs> they're going to try and break and exploit that shit and make it not fun. Uh, so I, just, I, I don't know. What, what can you really do that is stupidly broken with solipsism, though? Because you can't really kill people with it unless they're trying to get themselves killed. Like, you could use it to make bridges over over gaps, and that's pretty cool. But, like, all of these things are reasonable applications of the spell, right? Yeah. I'm sure there's something, some broken shit out there. I don't know. It's actually not as broken as the illusion spell, so I don't think. Yeah. Like, like, the other way around, where you can just in instantly kill people if they believe it. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. if they, because in solipsism, they have to... They have to try to believe it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the most broken thing you could do with it is, like, level grinding sessions. But even that's dangerous because combat is inherently risky, otherwise you don't get XP from it. I think the most annoying thing, though, is the, like, okay, well, I'm going to try solipsism in these ten different ways. Does the rain fall on him when I have an umbrella? I'm going to put an outside, part, <laughs> like, impartial observer over here and the, like, trying to break the spell and understand how, like the weird exploration that comes along with it that doesn't actually fuel anywhere and doesn't really get anywhere, but, like, people might want to do just to dick around. I think you should bail fire. You should do it like bail fire, where, like, both outcomes happen to the outside observer. To the outside observer, yes, the umbrella blocks the rain, but no, the person is also being hit by the raindrops. Mm. Right? Like, two irreconcilable things happen at the same time, and it's just very awkward to look at, and nobody can really figure it out. Hmm. Hmm, perhaps there was um in one of the misclick shows they were one running through the tundra and so the cleric used solipsism to create an artificial sun above them so that they didn't Ooh. need cold weather gear and they just had like a heat source with them at all points in time and they just like, I don't think bypassed that would work all the because cold solipsism isn't big enough well i mean you're not making like a full-fledged artificial sun but you're creating like a, a mini heat source but how, so I, I would totally dick over players there. Like, yeah, you create an artificial heat source and if it's just fire, it like fizzles out because it's not burning anything. And if it's supposed to be like a lumped ball, it's causing nuclear reactions, right? So if you believe that, it's probably going to kill you or, you know, give you skin cancer or something. I don't know. But like, mm -hmm. it's also probably going to drop to the ground, right? Because it's a body with mass. It's not just going to follow you around. Like, I, I would totally screw players on that one. Like, you got to make your thing makes sense physics wise otherwise it's gonna it's gonna fall apart on you mm -hmm. yeah um sis slothman asks does malachi forgive van and i choose this because sis slothman's been commenting on every reddit thread since the show started so i think he deserves a question answered. i think malachi probably will forgive van in time but maybe not right now yep yeah i was i was expecting that was like because nick told me he was he was okay with it and i was expecting malachi to still be like you, you fucking what? <laughs> you promised. <laughs> yeah. I think Malachi would have killed the... Uh... If it had been the other way around and the fucking swan turned up, Malachi probably would have magic missiled it. Like, what the fuck is this? You would have magic missiled the swan showing up? Over Van's like dead body? 
I think, yeah, maybe, yeah. If it was... No, oh, because I couldn't have cast Resurrection. If I had a Resurrection Scroll like or something like that, and it was like, ah, oh, sorry, this isn't going to work. <laughs> Hunk. Yeah. It's probably best that it's Malachi that died and not Van. Mm -hmm. <laughs> probably best for the world, yeah. 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 Uh, any other honkers out there have a question? <laughs> what was the... Uh, well, it's from McTucky. You've had enough questions, McTucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, will Van's loyalty to Bond Theris ever lead to him joining the Drakissian war effort? Um, I don't think Van cares enough about kingdoms and hierarchies and power systems to fight for Drakis, but he would probably protect Bond Theris. I think Van is a big fight for your community kind of guy and not a big fight for your, your kingdom kind of guy. So I think if he sees Bontheris under siege, he's going to go to help. But if he sees, like, Drakus go into a war, he's just going to kind of, you know, have some wine. And kick it back a little bit. Nice. Nice. Uh, will anything happen to Malachi's spirit? Or will, like, with the parrot, with the ring, and Odam? Well... There's no magical item here to interact with Malachi's spirit. So in theory, it'll slowly wander the earth, heading towards the end of the world, and finally reaching the portal and sink into it and become one with the other souls out there, ready to be recycled and reused at the gods' whim some point in the future, possibly in whole, more likely in small parts. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the most... Damn it, they guessed it moments, and what was the most... Oh, um, yeah, I saw so that one. ...very incorrect moment. I don't know. I can't remember that far back. <laughs> it's all so fuzzy. Yeah, I actually have a similar one that I saw earlier, and I have no memory of this happening, so I, I wanted to get your perspective on it as well. Let's hear it. Oh, uh, for Neil, how did you roll slash picked for the Ratsburg side quest? And is there any chance you would reuse a side quest like that again? And if you remember how you felt about Sean reading the situation and guessing it was were rats without clues as such, I do not remember this happening. Did I guess it was were rats? I don't remember I either. You, yeah, you. I think you did because you decided we looked into getting um, what's it called, Wolfsbane or whatever, before we went there. Huh? Was it just because it was called Ratsburg? <laughs> was I immediately put off by the name? It might to be, be honest, I don't really remember the Ratsburg quest all that well. Mm -hmm. um, I remember something about where rats and, and then an NPC named Little Jimmy, and uh, that's yeah. about about the extent of my memory on this this issue. I, Greg po poisoning his mother. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. What? Greg poisoned Greg. his mother. Yeah. He tried to poison both of them because he assumed that they were both infected. Oh, not his character's mother, but but little Jimmy's yeah. mother. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes well, more little sense. Little Jimmy pulled through. Uh, yeah, that was pretty insidious. That was dark as shit, man. <laughs> I remember that quest. So we there was like a rat problem, and we went around all the houses, like stinking clouding all the rats, and then killing them all. Yep. And then there was like people all gathering around, and we found this one woman like bawling in tears. Yep. With all the dead we rats. killed all of all of her all of her rats. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, like, that's a bit fucking suspicious. Yep, and, and then she right. turned to War Rat. I think Malachi had to jump out a window because he almost died. Almost died. I, I took two attacks at one HP there with 10 AC and some also I thought. <laughs> I remember that battle now, or at least yeah. parts yeah. of it. Yeah. That was fun. Um, 
So yeah, I have no idea how we how I came up with that quest line, but probably the same as everything else. You just you know pull it out of your head in a mm. weird way. This is the most views we've ever had for hardcore heroes. <laughs> oh my god, we have six hundred people. Uh, wow, that might be. You guys should have tuned in fifty-seven weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Where have you been for the past four years? <laughs> um, does it feel weird having hosted a D and D show that is one of the most viewed in the world below Critical Role? I don't think that is an accurate statement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we're I think we're behind a few. Other I think shows. we're although you, I think you are one of the bigger shows out there. Really? Like you've got you're behind like Critical Role, you're behind Role Play. But I think, as far as like streamed games go, I think you're you're pretty up there. Oh, this is nice. not a very like expansive. It's a fairly uh, niche industry right now. Yeah, and like, I did. The there might be though. some. There might be some like podcast actual plays that overtake you. I would. I would in fact be surprised if there aren't. Right. But like those are different kinds of games. Yeah, I don't know. I actually don't have any idea about. The like I don't want to say competition, but the the other people doing the same stuff. I I don't I have no idea what the other popular D and D games are, or their viewer counts, or any of that shit. So mm-hmm. this is the best know. show though. This and Frozen Frontier and Nail stuff is it's better. Well, I think <laughs> well I I mean I'm a little partial, of course, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I think that the the niche that we're going for here is some like really interesting, fun gameplay with a mm-hmm. lot of like to dig around with and uh, depth to explore. And a lot of other campaigns will try and like make a good show for everyone that has like a cool yep. story, which is fun and exciting. But like, I don't want to use the word scripted, but those things feel maybe a little bit more scripted. Like you're not going to die. And if you die, your character is going to come back in a different form and no death you ever come across is actually going to be uh, final. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, shit. What's that? That's, that's no. a very specific critical role issue. In my experience, it feels like actors kind of, uh, sort of playing D and D, but I, I was going to say like, I don't think you do like mainstream content, right? Like this is always going to be a niche, right? The way that you Mm -hmm. make shows. I don't know if this is ever going to appeal to like a wide audience, but I think you make a niche that has like a a solid base of people who wanted something like that. And this is, this is kind of filling a unique space in the, uh, in the area. Right. What's that fucking show that Anna does on roll 20 with her paladin Evelyn with Matt, is Matt Mercer her DM there? What's it called? It's not Roll for it. It's not Critical Role. It's uh... oh god. Oh, Chris Perkins, not Matt Mercer. Chris Perkins. Yeah. Okay. What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. Dice camera action, right? So that's another one of those instances where they're putting on like a really cool show, and they've got like a really. Mm-hmm. Um, like a storyline that's going on and your characters, you know, they, they might change over the time and they'll have a lot of development, but there's not really like a lot at stake on any given session. And there's not really a, like a grand world that can be manipulated. Um, so I think those shows will probably always do a little bit better. In addition to like the higher production value that they, they put forth, mm-hmm. they try and put out like, you know, a nice big story arc. And here we're a lot more like, let's just see where this goes. You're all fucking Yo, let's play dead a game. 
Yeah, yeah, you're all dead. Okay, new campaign. And you might like watch five of my campaigns and maybe four of them. Everyone will get killed really unsatisfyingly early on. But then every now and then there'll be a campaign where everything works out peaches. Um, and I think that's why our shit tends to be good is because we're not afraid to to ruin everything with, you know, hey, here's yeah. five Gorgons, enjoy. Yeah, you know? I think this is showing that like we're the niche audience but we're like a decently sizable niche we're definitely not like that that very fringe group that nobody even knows exists until they make an unfortunate search on the internet one day like we're you know right right you got a solid base it's, it's growing right yeah so i'm yep. watch session mm-hmm. um yep, red yep, baron yep. asks uh did you enjoy the class specific xp during the early parts of the game and i for one did enjoy that quite a lot mm-hmm. i quite like that and in my two-week game that i'm running at the moment i'm still i'm doing that because i quite like the way that thieves level up super quick by like stealing and that wizards can get xp from like casting spells i, I kind of like that a lot yeah um, i've been playing around with some other like with that with not doing that and i think maybe in the future for other things i would go back towards that um i think that's I, a fun way of doing it yeah i think it's okay i am a little more ambivalent toward it um but I, I i do like the idea i don't like the the rewards on player ends like player had a clever idea or a clever idea that saved the party yeah mm-hmm. um i prefer keeping experience rewards as a thing that you get for like things that your character did and they're tied to your character right mm-hmm. so i i do actually like the idea of the cleric doing things that furthers their ethos and getting experience for it um but i don't i don't know how well it works with the way that D is meant to be doling out like thousands of points of experience to get levels like if this was dungeon world or something where you get 10 experience to get a level like that would make a lot more sense right like you did something to further your ethos take a point of experience for that right Mm -hmm. that's where i'd like to see that kind of system yeah the rules as written like a goblin gives what 15 experience or something a kobold Mm -hmm. gives seven so if you are a party of four first level warriors you'd need a combined 8000 xp to level and at 15 experience per goblin you'd have to kill like 533 goblins for the party level which would fucking take forever so if you don't use party xp or role playing rewards I'm sorry mm-hmm. class specific xp or role playing rewards or quest rewards it just drags on and on and on yeah. Well, in um, that specific example, I mean, if you're a wizard and you magic missile a, gold, a goblin, you get 15 XP for the goblin, but you get 50 XP for casting the magic missile. So it's over three times more XP just for casting the spell than for the actually killing the monster. Right, which then makes it all sort of kind of weird. Then the monster's not really even worth it. So how is it even really a threat to you? It, you know, it's... Yeah. I don't know. The The XP system gets a little bit weird, especially when you realize that so much of it comes from questing uh, quest xp and rp xp that like Mm -hmm. the monster xp is sort of until later when some of the high level monsters give you a lot of experience that's true they don't they don't actually though i mean this is why i think it's important right because like the shadow dragon even if we'd have killed that as level nine you know like say vanna malachi kills at level nine it wouldn't Mm -hmm. have leveled us up even though really oh yeah yeah i need to kill that thing but so i think that the level the level curve in 2e is kind of reliant on the fact that as you're leveling up, you're casting more and more spells, so you're just getting more XP. And that's why, like, the fighter XP is, like, it's, like, 10 XP per hit dice defeated multiplied by your fighter level. So killing a goblin at level 1 will get you 10 XP. Killing a goblin at level 10 will get you 100 XP. That's true, I suppose. 
because they're kind of building it in to like level up which is like why it just takes us once we stopped doing that it just took forever to ever get to like level nine because yeah i don't think it would have the the issue i had with that was that a lot of our experience came from tracking like recording every spell that we cast and that yeah. was that was a big pain in the ass yeah it was kind of frustrating to do yeah yeah um anyone any other ones out there i think this question stopped getting posted so maybe uh maybe yeah yeah all right well do you guys have any questions for each other or for me i don't think so oh i've got one for you okay okay do any of your friends or family know what you do and how do they feel about it uh i told my friends at school um and i also told like my my friends back at home uh, my family doesn't really know i don't think they'd be very surprised though i think they'd be like mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like the kind of thing you would do <laughs> um <laughs> what do your friends think of it of this well the guardian force has one of the episodes bookmarked and like uses it to get to youtube <laughs> so she has like the first she has like the first five minutes of one of the episodes memorized like everything nice. everybody says <laughs> nice that's what i um yeah i don't think anybody watches it though okay what you uh i've told everyone that i do this uh, because i'm really proud of it um no one watches it but you know when i first tell people now and again you get this like oh that's a bit fucking weird and then my reaction is like well you know what do you do that like a couple thousand people care to watch Mm -hmm. you know i think it's Mm -hmm. awesome so Mm. I tell people, I tell people, no, no one actually watches it. But my, right. my best friend watched all of the original roleplay, but okay. hasn't watched Hardcore Heroes. So I don't <laughs> yeah, I uh, bad taste. Most of what I get when I bring yeah. it up is my friends being like, "Oh, look at the big name Twitch streamer." Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, fine, they're they're just jealous. Uh-huh. Most of my friends don't know what Twitch is. So <laughs> yeah, well, D and D is getting a bit of a a popularity boost these days. It seems. Yeah. yeah well i feel like it's getting a big one in popular culture but it's not really translating into players <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a little interesting yeah a lot of people are watching and listening and uh not, not even playing. that like most people i feel like it has a bigger base of people who even know what it is like practically everybody knows what D is now mm-hmm. but i feel like it hasn't really grown bigger than or like at a faster rate than it's ever grown which is mm. which is a little bizarre hmm but I think there's something in people watching it. I uh, mm-hmm. I got in, I got into it through watching roleplay. I think it's uh, actually an unexpectedly enjoyable thing to watch. Like I think if somebody explains it to you, it sounds like it sounds super dumb. Weird. But it's like yeah. it's like saying to someone that like, oh, I'm watching a StarCraft tournament. Like the result is why you're watching somebody else play a video game. Like why would you do that when you want to play the game yourself? But yeah, but reality, I mean, you watch football games, ag- right? You watch yeah, tennis. Most people would agree that StarCraft's far more enjoyable to watch than it is to play. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, there's yeah. something in this. Um. Okay. I did friends and family? I thought I had one more question for you guys. You have to take a second, think it up. Is there any particular um, part of the world that we've built together that you would be more interested in seeing explored? Whether you do it or another campaign does it, is there an area that 
you would think would be fun for the future? I would like to see a rebuilding effort in Eridon. Not like Eridon rebuilding, but like somebody building from like the ashes of all the burned down and destroyed cities in Eridon. Like not even necessarily a kingdom, just like people going back and like, all right, this is good land. <laughs> Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody's living here right now. Let's let's take this for ourselves. I'd I'd like okay. to see that. I'd like to see sort of a reclaiming effort after the demon thing has been settled down. Hopefully, you know, we saw a little tiny bit of that in Desperate Measures, where they relocated their village in Mistria that had been like oppressed and forced to pay taxes to a completely ruined city in Eridon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, with the survivors of that ruined city, sort of are rebuilding their the, the town somewhat. Um, mm-hmm. So we've seen like the maybe the first step in that direction. Um, unfortunately, desperate measures is probably getting canceled, and Oof. today's session is probably going to be our last one just because of scheduling issues. So oh, we shit. won't actually get to see that rebuilding too much. Um, but yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but we sort of knew that this day would come when we started it. We knew that we would have scheduling issues at some point that would mm. be um, unreconcilable. Uh, yeah. More free Sunday time. So this is the situation where you actually do try to TPK the whole party, and the low score that you get for basically killing them all is fine. It's okay. It's acceptable in this circumstance. <laughs> Gonna not try to TPK them. I'm gonna try and give them an opportunity to like say how they will run their village in the future, how like oh, what yeah. sort of impact they want to have on this town. Because right now, even though they're only level five, they're headed to Fortune to go kill Count Vicious. I think mm-hmm. so. Um, they're either oh, about yeah. to all die miserably or turn about and like rule their town somehow. Or you know, at least that's um. the direction that they seem to be headed. I don't know if that's actually their plan. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to go. do. But I'd li- I, I really liked the first Dicing with Death where you were playing an evil cleric and you were just going out trying to do evil stuff. And I, everyone says, like, oh, an evil campaign would be cool. But it takes some it will take some subtlety and intelligent thinking to do it right. But I think if, if done right, that could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think an evil campaign very easily just is like i'm gonna kill yeah. everyone which yeah. isn't yeah. particularly fun i think know? georg was interesting to a lot of people partially because he didn't start out very evil mm-hmm. um, and he wasn't like just horrible evil bastard who does terrible things for the thrill of it he was like you know he, he was kind of a bastard who was out for his own power but georg also did a lot of good things right mm-hmm. like georg saved van Helsing from the shadow realm yeah and he was situationally evil he didn't yeah, desire yeah. evil things but it just it happened to be evil in order to hit for him to get stronger you know it was yeah. i have to steal these souls to recharge my amulet let's start with the people i'm killing and then eventually it's like well let's find someone that nobody's gonna miss that i can like go abduct in a car and murder on the side of the road and steal their soul you know he slowly yeah. became a psychotic killer the thing but i like most about game was the the way it was set up with like being a court wizard and like working for the lord and then like mm-hmm. trying to balance his own sort of goals with that of like oh but i've got to do this for my boss mm-hmm. it was a different turn of pace to the usual or what we were doing in hardcore heroes which was just like okay i'm out adventuring seeing what i can do in the world mm-hmm. like that was yeah. like a different a different way of looking at it so maybe you know evil campaign could be like doing quests for vicious or working for scoria doing missions 
Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I really liked the bits and roleplay as well where they were working for um, Dalamar. Mm -hmm. I liked all that stuff as well. Um, I have a question, actually. This is about Baron Zong now. I remember there was the blockade that got set up on a road that was tolling travelers to build funds to, like, siege Baron Zong in Misty Rapids or something. Yeah, yeah, And then we killed them all because (laughs) Van Amalekai refused to pay. Yeah. You killed him. You refused to pay. I say I was... We could have gone round that guy, Sean. You just decided to kill him. I think, actually, that might have been Van's uh, most... I wouldn't call it evil. It wasn't evil, because, like, I didn't go, oh, I'm just going to nuke him. I was like... Don't get in our way, or we'll kill you. It was, it was like I warned them. I gave them a. He didn't have to go through with it, though. He was clearly defeated at one point. You could have walked away from that. You fucking killed him. But yeah, what what was going on with that? What was the um, what was uh, that well, whole like rebellion about? So Misty Rapids and Cauldron do not get along, and the people of the rulers of Cauldron were inbred to the point of like madness, and uh, there was some sort of you know, fervent, boil the people alive, murderous townsfolk perspective Uh, going on. And, um, because, you know, in Cauldron, for crimes, you're put in a cage, put over a a boiling geyser, and you wait for the geyser to explode underneath you and boil you alive while people sit in bleachers, watch and cheer, and, you know, eat popcorn. Um, So it's kind of a twisted place a little bit. Wow. Uh, And they were not happy with Baron Song, and so they were collecting money to, you know fuck over Baron Song and take his lands. You know, I was a little worried, because I know Baron Song is kind of a jackass, and I was I was a bit worried that, like, I, I had killed the good guys, but now I feel a little no. bit better knowing that they came from Cauldron. <laughs> yeah, they were all bad people. Okay. Yeah. That was... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless you take their perspective, but... You know. He's got time for that. Yeah. Right. Who's got time to consider other people's points of view? <laughs> if they're in your way, just fucking kill them. Certainly not D and D characters. No time for that does, shit. Does uh does Tyrus Bellows regret not agreeing to help kill the dragon? Given that how uh, can he regret? Dark? He's dead. Well, you know, if looking down now from the the top <laughs> from... in the sky, awkward conversations I'm sure between him and Malachi when I arrived. <laughs> <laughs> so I think from Tyrus's point of view. He was very much like, I'm not going to be somebody else's expendable. Well, why don't we just throw him at the dragon and see if it sticks? Right? He was very much more like, I am here to try and help these people, and I'm not going to needlessly throw away my life against something. Mm-hmm. And we'll find, like, what, maybe we'll take the slow route instead of just meeting it head on. Maybe we'll find another way of going about it. Let's be careful. Let's be slow. Mm-hmm. And y'all were just like, fucking take these swords and I'm going to power you up and you're just going to go fight the dragon. And he's looking at you like, bitch, you're not the one but out like, there fighting the dragon. Tyrus so. Bellows overestimated his position there. I don't think he realized how matched he was by Georg. Because a couple of times he tried to fight and I think Georg would have just wrecked him. I don't know, plus five sword? Yeah, with, yeah, but stone skin. And plus four armor. I'm mean, yeah. I don't know. Ooh, does stone skin block magic weapons? It does. Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. Even a sword of sharpness. It's such a broken spell. Okay. Yeah. I was. Well, I had a yeah. moment. I remember it doesn't block magic spells. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, stone skin fourth level? <laughs> yeah. 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 By the book, it lasts until it runs out. Like for a yeah, while. Yeah, I think didn't they they changed it in a later supplement though to make it twenty four yeah. hours? Yeah, which is Did what they? we started doing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what we started. I was burning a level four slide every day to cast that, which right. is much more reasonable. 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a broken spell if you have to recast it. Right. I think the solu- the otherwise solution would be to have lots of attacks and just be like, all right, well, I make five attacks. I'm a, you know, whatever fighter. Mm-hmm. So I'll make two attacks for you this round, two attacks for you that round. You get D4 plus four charges. So, um, you know, there's 10 goblins here. You need some yeah. sort of frag grenade. So you can, like, take lots of small different fragmentation attacks to get rid of stone skin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently... A lot of people ruled that you can absorb falling damage with it because apparently three the third edition specifically calls it out as not absorbing fall damage. Ooh. <laughs> Would you like say you're a fighter, right? Uh you're against the wizard of the stone skin and you've got some daggers. Could you argue that like I take my two daggers and I try and make like as many attacks as I can, not really attempting to kill the guy, just to try and bash the stone skin out so I get you know, I can get more than my normal two attacks. Would that be a legitimate way of doing it i mean if you're right like you could just try to chip it off right you're just trying to like yeah you... um i feel like on one hand yes absolutely and then on the other hand doesn't that completely negate stone skin because then you're like yeah the yeah the creature knows what you have and they negate all your spell in one round yeah i would i'd probably just say no like fighters already get multiple attacks per round right and then they can dual wield if they want to get one more in there like what does stones can give you Nick, at, D4, at like level D4 nine, you're getting plus, what D four plus four. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, a couple rounds of soaking damage. Yeah, I think pebbles. what we were talking about earlier about high level adventuring being really swingy. This is one of those situations where you don't just walk up to a wizard with stone skin and try and fight him toe to toe. You would no, need you to tackle him to the ground so he can't cast spells. Right, or you need to know that they have stone skin in advance and be like, all right, we're going to hit them with like this avalanche, which will knock off all the stone skin charges, and then we're going to jump them, or we'll tackle them to the ground and restrain them or something. Or you um, just firebomb them because it wouldn't absorb the fire. Right, oh, right. So I made a flame. So I think that's the part of the swinginess of the high level is you need to plan carefully for skills. Now. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, Nick, you didn't say what you wanted to see in the future, did you? I said maybe like, yeah, I did like, I like evil stuff or... Evil stuff, right. Okay, just the evil stuff. Quest giving kind of, yeah, I don't know. In terms of like, um, geographical. Mm Mm-hmm. We've never seen, we've never seen Matava. Yeah, Matava's just not fun to play in. It's just like a shitty, shitty place. I'd like to see Matava just kind of like... Destroyed? Like Matava would be interesting. Nukes? No, if you if you just had a like a bit in one of the campaigns where Matava just got straight up overrun, like people just siege that place to the ground. Mm. That's probably the only point where you would actually be interested in watching Matava stuff. Yeah. I'd like to see something from the other side, like so, like yeah, like working for Vicious, like a campaign working for Vicious or working for Scoria or mm-hmm. like coming at it from the other Ooh. the other angle. Minotaria. Minotaria. We could do a Minotaur campaign. Nah, I'm not very like for me. Four fighter Minotaur campaign. <laughs> well, then you have to dual wield Nodachis. That's the that's the only way to do Minotaurs because <laughs> they're size large, so they can wield a Nodachi in one hand, and then you ha- you go Grandmaster fighter with them. So the D12s on the Nodachi get upgraded. No, the D20s on the Nodachi damage get upgraded to D100s, um, <laughs> and that's how you do it. 
Yeah, bandit campaign. That could be quite. Is cool. is this like some bullshit class book that you're pulling up here? No, 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 no. Because I think. Hold on. I think this is Definitely all combat is. and tactics. Let me double check here. Because um, if you get what is it like grandmaster as a fighter or something, the damage die on your weapons go up by one. And I think the Nodachi yeah. already it does. Grand, I think it's D12. Grandmaster first. Okay, maybe it's D12. I mean, D20 would still be pretty good for uh, for damage. Yeah, die. Nodachi does D10 slash D20, so D20 to large creatures. Except, didn't you get rid of that and just make everything do base damage? Uh, I yeah, you... I think we changed that. But like, yeah. if we're if we're talking about you know playing Minotaurs. Then we play dual wielding, uh, dual Nodachi wielding Minotaurs who do D20 to large creatures, become Grandmasters, and that D20 becomes a D100, and then you go around fighting dragons like that. That's how you do it. Oh, could you imagine landing two hits on the dragon and just like instantly nuking it with 150 <laughs> damage? <laughs> mm -hmm. Can you imagine landing two hits on the dragon and doing 10 I mean, honestly, damage? At that point, I would, I would petition that whenever you fight a large creature, the Nodachis just spontaneously turn into lightsabers. I think so. I think that's what it would have to be. So can William get Grandmaster? Because then my flame sort of be D20. In theory, yeah, totally. Oh yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, when he retires. Oh, cool. <laughs> I, I'm still I'm still curious why you why you are so like hesitant to give uh Grandmastery out. Because like when you think about it, even with Grandmastery, fighters are still weaker than wizards at level nine. <laughs> I, there's this sense that I want it to be something that is independently worked for. Like, that feels like a really interesting power spike and a really good mm -hmm. one. And I want there to be some sort of attempt to um, go out of your way to acquire it rather than just like, in the course of my adventuring, I am now this good. Which maybe is actually too much to ask based on mm -hmm. the nature of how we run our campaigns where there's always something going on and you usually are hopping from one thing to another. Um, I think the only issue with it is that there's not enough... Like, nobody really plays rangers in 2E mm -hmm. and nobody really plays paladins because they're so hard to roll. Mm -hmm. So, like, every fighter would become a grandmaster at higher levels. It'd be neat if you had, like, the barbarian in 2E, right? And the barbarian is, like, better at a flat level than the fighter, but they don't go beyond expertise or something. They can't master weapons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then the fighter becomes kind of like the wizard of the warrior class, where they're kind of weaker than the barbarian at level one, but they have better potential. Hmm. It's interesting. I have a hard time trying to work barbarians in in my mind, um, in, into a two E world. Well, it feels I don't, less I don't, like a class and more like a. I don't know. I, I I work with barbarians more in the Conan concept, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. about flying into rages and reducing damage. It's about being like an outsider who doesn't really okay. fit. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they I... they fight by instinct rather than like honing a particular blade for for years on end. They just they mm -hmm. just have lots of instinct because they wrestled tigers when they were kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you ever played with it, but there's a subclass in the fighter handbook that I think has a really cool rule. Like, I think it might even be called barbarian. But like when they go into the rage. You have to tell the DM how much HP you've got, and from that, from that point on, um, you don't get told how much damage you're taking from attacks, and you also live past zero until minus ten. Mm -hmm. So you just instantly die. Like when you drop, you're at minus ten, you're dead. You don't know how much HP you've got because you're in a rage, and that's a really cool mechanic. And actually, you could justify it being very strong in that regard because your character would be so likely to fucking die. Yeah. You have that on. Yeah, I created a potion of pain resistance in that same 
notion where you get like bonuses to hit and damage or something, but then you no longer same same. Um, so yeah, the berserker like a, armor. Exactly, that's it. Yeah. 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 All right. I think we have hit it all. I think we're yeah. ready to wrap up here. It has been four years. Yeah. Of hardcore See, heroes. Let me look that up really fast. When did we put up the first episode? See you in 2024. Let's. <laughs> Nick, I think Nick said that, trouble. and there was there was just a pain moment in my in my in my brain as I realized how long I've been doing this. I think, it is I think we started at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016. The first, yeah, the character creation was I think late December, and then the first episode was the very beginning of 2016, January yeah. 2nd. So gotcha. it's been a long time. We got a lot of episodes under our belt here. Uh, 60 something plus the other side and um, yeah. Arcadia ones. So. I can't remember if I counted those in the count or not. But yeah, there's been there's been a lot. Pushing 70, mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah, we've yeah. had a lot of player characters come through. We've seen many of them die. We've had some good NPCs and we've had some short-lived NPCs. And uh, Hardcore Heroes has sort of shaped all the other adventures in Arcadia through one thing or another, uh, mostly through that demon invasion, but also through plenty of other little side quests and adventures in Redport and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been sort of the backbone of the Arcadia section of this world for a long time, and I don't know what we're going to do without it. But I hope in the near future we can put something else and get the same crew back together because I think the four of you play really well together and are super fun. I enjoy it. So, till we meet again? Yep. Yeah. Bye. 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 That's it. Bye. Bye. I'll be be back at some point, sometime, probably, maybe. (laughs) If you're watching this for the first time, then go back and watch the VODs. It's awesome. All right. And All subscribe right. to Neil on Patreon. All right. If you, if you started Hardcore Heroes with the endgame Q&A, go back and watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. See you later.